Hello, friends. <sighs> I, again, I, I know that people give Dave Loggins credit, but I feel like they just don't give him enough credit, Boat. That, that is the sultry sounds of the 1970s finest guitarist, Mr. Dave Loggins. I am Kyle Serlo, joined by my co-host, Mr. Jess Mac, here to bring you guys a preview of one of the most phenomenal, not just golf tournaments, but most fantastic weeks in all of American sport. It's Masters Week. Glad to be here, buddy. Oh, my goodness. My friend, it is. I can't believe it's here. It's, we're, we're, we're really doing this? I, I I feel like I said it every week, but this is this is it, man. This is what we train all year for. It's Christmas morning, oh. every morning for a week. Oh, really? And this thing is like, I, I'm tempted to just play this music in the background of the entire podcast. I'm not going to, but... How dare you? I... You know, maybe in post-production we'll actually go through and correct a couple of things and really get this thing going for the entirety of this podcast. But uh, anyway, for all of you listening, it is wonderful wonderful to be back with all of you. As we've said, it is Masters Week. Um, the professionals and everybody is already at Augusta National getting ready for the tournament, which begins on Thursday. And uh, But we've got a lot to cover here in this preview podcast, my friend. We sure do. So, yeah, and, and because we have so much, I am just, I'm, I'm not even going to spend too much time dillying and dallying around. I said we just get right into it. So, obviously, everybody knows it's Masters Week. Um, but let's let's go over a little bit of a background with the uh, the tournament here first, just to kind of get everybody in the right mind state, get everybody, um, you know, get, get our facts straight, because I think that'll help us all have a little bit of a greater and deeper appreciation for... Uh, for everything that's going to be going on this weekend, so I'm actually just gonna I'm gonna hand it to you, man. What are what are some some things about Augusta and about the Masters that everybody should uh, should know or might be helpful to know heading into the tournament this weekend? Uh, long golf course, over <laughs> 7,400 yards. Uh, the format because there's only 87, I believe, players in the field. Uh, they go top 50 in ties after two rounds or within 10 shots of the lead. Right. So top top 50 in ties at least, but there could be more depending if those guys are within 10 of the lead. Um, just a little bit. Youngest winner, Tiger. Oldest winner, Jack. Uh, 21 and 46, respectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, respectfully. Um, it's a little crazy that nobody's ever won this tournament who's older than 46. Yeah, it. Uh, I think they just kept making it longer and longer and longer. It's like, But then you look at a guy like Phil or VJ, who at 56 was in the final group at the Honda, like – yeah, it, it's going to be someone like, and they're both in the field. So yeah, um, well, especially Phil. I mean, Phil's our you know won this golf tournament a handful of times. Phil's forty nine. He is forty eight. So, okay, so Phil's forty eight or forty nine. But you know, unlike most forty eight and forty nine year olds, Phil's actually keeping up with some of the longer hitters on tour. That, like he's got some of the fastest ball speed on tour. Yeah. Um, I, he picked it up in the last year or so, but he's got like faster ball speed than Tiger and. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think so, um, just because he kind of looks lethargic out there at yeah, times. Right. I know, I know. And he's not, you know, making the aggressive swing that some of these younger guys are. But the bottom line is, he's a tall, strong, powerful man, and he just generates a lot of clubhead speed. Mm-hmm. And I, we're, we're going to get to wagering and everything like that uh, later in the podcast. But as far as a over forty-six-year-old goes, like for somebody to break Jack's record of oldest player to win this golf tournament, I mean. Phil's got to be the probably oh, got the best odds that any, we've ever seen anybody have to, to do that, right? Well, we know Phil. I mean, it's yeah, he does, and just his. I mean, it's like it's probably we're seeing a little bit of it in Spieth. Regardless of the form, when they get there, it's kind of multiple light bulbs just turn on, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah." Hmm. And for those guys, 
who have to play to their misses. They get here and they're so familiar with the place because the conditions never change from year to year. And they're like, oh, yeah, to that pin, I can miss there and be fine. Um, so I think that gives them a little bit of added comfort, um, which is always fun to watch. Uh, those guys, you know, usually you miss it in a tournament or in a bad spot and you seem to get frustrated. Here it's almost like when you see a guy miss a green, he's like, oh, no, that was like that was in the notes. Like that was that right. was a green area, not a red area. Um, and that's what makes this tournament so cool, dude. I, I agree, and not not just for the pros, but I think that's also part of what makes this tournament so special for us. You know, the people that are watching, whether you know whether you're one of the patrons on the grounds of Augusta National, or you're just someone like us who's watching it on TV every year. I mean, I think the one thing that Augusta and it probably didn't even do it, it really. It wasn't part of their their thinking when they put this tournament together, but. It's the only major where we obviously get to watch the guys play the same golf course every year. Mm-hmm. And to have a golf course this important, oh. or this a tournament this important, where you get to play the same course every year, the level of familiarity, not just of the players, but of the fans, I feel like gives all of us a greater appreciation for what they're doing. Because in a sense, I feel like I know the golf course almost as well as some of these guys who are playing in the golf tournament, which just makes it that much more special. And that, I mean, with Masters.com, I mean, there's literally... 10, 10 years ago, it was so limited in yeah. how much you could see. And now, like, you see pictures of guys that, you know, amen corner and 16 through 18, 17, 18, each individually. Like, you could, if a guy wanted to, you could have a laptop or a couple laptops up, five screens going, and you literally couldn't miss anything. Yeah, I know. The Masters has been so good at that. And then on top of, I think it's – is it 57 or maybe 56 – minutes of coverage every hour oh yeah because of the, oh, yeah. the limited i mean those 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 three sponsors are paying what is it at&t it's like always I, ibm, IBM is, always, is always one of them uh i want to say like mercedes and maybe coca-cola um those are the companies that could afford yeah to do something like that you know without a doubt but it's like the limited commercial break is so cool yeah 100 the worst part today about sports on tv is every it seems like every two minutes in a in a basketball game Yo, in college basketball, there's the under mm-hmm. 16, the under 12, the under, and then they're calling timeouts. And you can literally have three commercial breaks within like a minute of playing action. Right. And you're just like, oh. And I know people are going to be like DVR, but it's like, I don't want to DVR it. Um, but <laughs> I'm definitely DVRing every minute of the Masters. Yes. It's going to be on uh, 100%. CBS and ESPN. Uh, yeah, incredible. Well, I mean, I was going to wait until uh, a little later, but I might as well just ask you now. What is your, what is your viewing strategy? Uh, so I mean, like, do do you have a location or a, a specific setup that you uh, that you like to enjoy as like a part of your Masters watching tradition? So for a while, when I got back from Chico, my buddy John Alessandro, we would have that that Friday off. So we would go play Bodega early in the morning, go to Round Table, get an extra large pepperoni and six twists. This is one of the best plays I've heard. And, and then and then just watch golf all day long, and it's. So we would we would DVR it too. So we'd watch it live and then we'd we'd rewatch it. Um, it's just it's I, I kind of have a similar thing for the British Open. Yeah. It's like okay, I'm at Crystal's at five oh one. Get my <laughs> get, get my donuts. No sleep the night before. If I was at the bars, just roll into it. If not, I mean, most times I'm just like, all right, no, nah, nah, I'm I'm focused. Yes, I'm focused. Yes. I got I got to be ready to go, but. Yeah. When the coverage comes on, obviously, well, weather permitting, I'll be at work Thursday morning, and then we'll have practice with the team. But Friday, 
no work, no team. Friday, you've you've got me. Yeah, all day, hundred percent. And honestly, uh, someone was just saying it, it might have been it might have been Alan Shipnuck from Golf dot com was saying that Friday might be you know just from a pure fan standpoint mm-hmm. might be his actual favorite day to watch the Masters because it's the last day you know you got guys fighting to make the cut. And again, like you were just saying, it's, it's, it's within ten of the, it's yeah. within ten of the lead or the top fifty. So there's a lot of guys that don't make the cut. I mean, so the cu- cut time on Friday gets very competitive, and you have oh, yeah. that going on. Plus, you have the mix of all the the former champions, likely you know. Will fit, Freddie you, make another cut? Yes. Yes. The yeah. The answer. Is yes. The answer is yes. The answer is absolutely yes. Um, yeah. He said it's just everything going on on Friday is spectacular. Saturday, you know, moving day is obviously awesome. And then, you know, I I don't think I'm breaking any news here when I say that. Sunday at Augusta is my favorite day of sport of the entire year. You know, yeah, it is. Like you know, if you give me Game Seven of a World Series, yeah, if you give me Game Seven of a World Series or Master Sunday, I think the latter gets picked like nine out of ten times, unless the Giants are playing in the World Series. Exactly, unless it's the Giants. um, I'm watching the Masters instead. Hundred percent. No, that's awesome, man. Let's see here. Uh, Going back to the tournament, any other like facts or any other notes that uh, everybody should know about? Kind of you know how the tournament's happening and kind of uh, just general general news or um, not much um, average age of the champions 32 and a half average age for a first time winner is 31 so it's it was kind of an anomaly when we saw Spieth mm-hmm. and then you know Tiger did it at 21 but um, it takes a little bit of experience around this place to finally start to get that get to that comfort level right um, which I'm afraid Rory is probably at now and that's why he's <laughs> just about everyone's pick. Well, look here. let's if we're, if we're talking Rory, let's just jump into it. So let's let's yeah. talk about some of the main storylines uh, going into the 2019 Masters. So uh, you touched on them. It's going to be one of the biggest storylines all week long. So let's just let, let's just talk about it right now. Rory McIlroy is one Masters win away from completing the career Grand Slam. Something that only is it six golfers in history have ever done. Yeah, I think so. So he he's looking to become, you know, one of, you know, less than 10 guys in the history of the sport to have won all four major championships. Uh he is coming in as the betting favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh and you know, for good reason. For, for for good reason, man. Yeah. I mean, he it, we were just talking about it is that for whatever reason coming into this year's Masters, it seems like there are fewer guys playing great golf than there have been in years past. Like I other than Rory and maybe Kuchar, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess maybe Frank and Molinari, even though he hasn't played that many tournaments, but it, no. it just doesn't seem like that many guys are coming into this Masters tournament in great form. Yeah, but I Rory mean, is one of them. Some of the guys won early in the year and then either didn't play a lot or cooled off, uh, possible combination of things. But, I mean, Kuchar's, Kuchar's in really good form, but is this golf course too long for him? Uh, if it's wet, I mean, you know, they, they've they got the new drainage and everything, but if it's really wet and they get some more rain, I don't know the forecast. Uh, kind of important. I dropped, dropped the ball on that one. But I just don't know if he hits it quite far enough. Um, well, the good news for Cooch is that Augusta National is a no-cash facility. You know, they, they, <laughs> they, they, they don't operate, you know, there's no financing or of, of anything going on other than wagering out there. So he doesn't have to worry about tipping. So he's he's going to be, I his mind is going to be right. Allowed to, I, I think it's on his wife and manager now. Uh, I think I think he's not allowed to make any financial decisions whatsoever. That's <laughs> probably, probably pro- a good thing. Yeah, prob- probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so Rory, playing, playing the golf that he's played, he's obviously coming off a win at the Players' Championship just top five finishes all over the place to start out 2019. Um, 
I, I don't think it's controversial to say that he should be the odds-on favorite to win this no, golf he, tournament. No, he totally should be. Um, but that being said, I mean, do you think he has a very – I mean, obviously, he has a chance to win, but do you think more than ever that this could be his time? He's going to need, like, at the very least, a B-minus ball-striking week, mm-hmm. but he's going to need a B-plus or A uh, putting week. Yeah. Because um, he hits it so good. It's just with him, if he's – if he's making those putts inside of ten feet, um, and more, you know, inside of five feet, more importantly, but um, yeah, like if he if he has a good week putting, I think he's he's gonna win, and he might win by three or four. Now the thing is, whenever I watch Rory play, I feel like I never think to myself, "God, this guy's got a great putting stroke." Yeah, well, he's changed it so much. He's been yeah. searching for so long, and sometimes he looks comfortable, and sometimes he looks super timid. Yeah, 100%. it's like it's it's never the same. I know it's just, it's just he's changed so many things. He's changed his putter so many times. I it, it's crazy because those greens at Augusta are so much crazier oh. than like it, t- television can could never convey how gnarly they are. And I again, I've never been to Augusta, so it seems kind of silly yeah. for me to be saying all this firsthand. But yeah. I I have been lucky enough to play quite a few Alistair McKenzie golf courses, mm-hmm. and the one thing that all of them have in common is. Those greens are diabolical, and they have got so much just crazy slope and action to them that, like, you know, I, I played at Alistair McKenzie Golf Course this past weekend to kind of get ready, you know, for Masters Week. Yeah. The golf course, we played it from the tips, and it was 6,500 yards, all right? I had my lunch eaten out there. I wasn't necessarily hitting the ball all that bad. I wasn't hitting it great, mm-hmm. but I had a lot of looks for birdie, and I was putting the ball well. Like, I actually, I was putting great. Yeah. And I finished with 36 putts. Yeah, there's – like mean, it, it's not – you're going to see guys hit putts with their back to the hole. Um, it's crazy, the amount of slopes on the greens. Yeah. It's like that's what makes it so fun to watch. Like, he's aim- – where, where is he aiming? Mm-hmm. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. Pump the brakes? Well, and just a crazy thing. The ones that I was putting on were wild, and they weren't rolling at a 15 on the stint meter. Like, Oh, yeah. We're like, going to see guys putt balls off greens. Dude, that, that's what's so, like, these, these Alistair McKenzie greens, and again, I'm, I'm just – Assuming that the ones at Augusta National are reminiscent of some of the other green yeah. complexes he has at his yeah. other golf courses, is like th- you see more slope in the greens of his designs than any other any other golf course design. Oh yeah, and but the thing is, this golf course is built in the 30s. You know, they're they're expecting these greens to be rolling at what would now be considered like an eight or a nine on the stint meter, right? Yeah. And because some of the slopes are so gnarly that if they were really really fast, it would basically just be unfair. Yeah. But in 2019, it's like no. You guys are the best players in the world. I know these greens are gnarly and tricky, but we're going to roll them out to 15 anyway, and good fucking luck. Yeah, we're going to need your A game. Yeah. So it's like, man, it, again, it's it goes for everybody, but for, especially for Rory. Like, if, if you're if his putting is anything less than an A-, minus, he's he's not going to win. Yeah, he's got to have a really good putting week. But if he is putting at an A-, minus, if he's if he's if he's putting well and his ball striking is is good or great, if it's great, he's going to he's going to do something like Tiger you know, three, three, four stroke. He's just going to let you know it's over. Yeah. And if it's, if it's right around there, then he's going to give some other guys a chance coming down the stretch. But mm-hmm. if he has a good week putting, cause I really don't think he's going to have a bad ball striking week. Then I think he's your, he's your champion. Yeah. I think he's putting on the green jacket. It would be and completing hard. the career grand slam, which would actually be really awesome because it's, Oh, get your guns up. I, Texas Tech just went up 66-65. Oh, my goodness. Left. We are recording this during the men's college basketball national Tony championship. Tony Arnold, J.D. Seeger, get your guns up. Oh, boy. Man, 
I'd love to see Texas Tech win this oh, thing. Oh, come on. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. Like, do you have you do you consider yourself like a big Rory fan? Uh, no. No, That's I don't. Like, I, I don't either, but I would outspoken, love to see him win. Out, outspokenly despise the guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talked about it last time when he signed the $250 million endorsement contract and then shortly thereafter was quoted saying, I didn't get into golf to grow the game. And it's like, what are you talking about? It's like if Jack and Arnold and, and, and Gary didn't do what they did, you, yeah. how much money do you think you'd be playing for right now? <laughs> like, you think a winner's check would still be five hundred forty grand, like it was 15 years ago? It's like, come on, guy. I, Play the part. I don't think he knows. I, no. Listen to your publicist. My, my question then would be, I think if you asked him that same question now, would I think he'd be a little... Oh, he's little, already he's, he's, he's embarrassed yeah. by, by that. Yeah. I mean, oh, that, yeah. that was that was a young man. No, he knows that. that was, exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so, too. Um, let's see here. So... Obviously, Rory. Oh, back to the so now I'm pulling for him just because we realize okay. how important he is to the game. Yeah, absolutely, and you know he signed the big thing with a, a golf golf channel was a golf pass. Yes, um, yeah. So, he's, so he's he's, hey, he's, he's part he's of his programming is part of golf pass, and he's like the ambassador for golf pass. We, we talked about it. Yeah, he's he's one of the guys that kind of moves the needle. So yeah, yeah it would be great. For, it would be really good for the game of golf. Hundred yeah. percent. Now, um, he's obviously you know one of the favorites going. He is the favorite going in this thing. Um, some of the other top storylines going in this year's tournament. Um, it's the one that I'm certainly going to be looking, you know, looking at the closest, and that is 14-time major champion, oh, yeah. four-time winner at Augusta, Mr. Eldrick Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, news. You know, it was all over social media on Sunday night that Tiger was the last person on the grounds at Augusta National practicing on Sunday. Yeah, he was so, there saw a lot of until nightfall. I think we all did. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Tiger, you know, does seem all in trying to win this. I mean. Obviously, I, I think it's safe to say he's all in more anytime so, he's playing. I think more so right. now than in the past, though. Absolutely. And so he he's dialed in. What is Tiger going to do in this year's Master Tournament? We're all looking forward to seeing you know seeing for ourselves. I As much as we're all pulling for Rory, I know I'd be lying to you if I told you that I didn't. Tiger winning was my most ideal outcome. Oh, I, I would go I, I would go bananas I would lose, if Tiger won. I would lose my goddamn mind, though. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Just lost my train of thought. So, you, um, actually, I had a question for you. You were mentioning something about a little story about Tiger was playing with a couple of other guys. Oh, today. Th- yeah. Uh, like, pack, like, practice like, round 68, 65, uh, tech, 20 seconds left, uh, 12 <laughs> seconds left. Um, yeah, he's playing a practice round today with Freddie and Justin Thomas. And Justin Thomas is – oh, Virginia just hit a three. Uh, is in the in the media tent doing an interview. And they're going to – so how was it with Tiger and uh, – and Freddie today, he's like, well, nothing against Tiger, but uh, Freddie was throwing around, around a little bit more free advice. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger, the non-injured, back on sort of top of his game Tiger, is a little bit more tight-lipped than in years past. To be fair, though, I hear that, and it actually gets me more pumped for this culture and being like, okay, Tiger is actually not in the... I'm older and I'm looking to give give some sage advice to the young guys. It's like, no, I'm actually here. I'm trying to beat some ass. Are we like, going overtime? Oh my god! Is Gosh. it? Oh my I, word! My phone says 68. Oh no! Come on, tech. All right. <laughs> yeah, Tiger. Oh, uh, I. Yeah, I. I don't know. Like, realistically, what are you expecting to see from Tiger this weekend? You know, we don't know. Uh, he hasn't, you know, he just hasn't it, been playing that much golf, hope, so it's tough to tell. We, we hope that he's healthy. Um, I think it's a good uh, good sign that he's out there late, mm-hmm. uh, putting in the work. Um, he played well at the match play. Uh, kind of just ran into a buzzsaw with Beer Guard. Yeah. But uh, 
from what we saw, he was pretty much in form. Mm -hmm. uh, no real weaknesses like his chipping was in the past and then his putting. Sure. Um, who's he working with now? He's working with, uh, uh, God, uh, Matt, uh, Matt Killen. Uh, I, I don't Kenny know Perry's I, guy that he. Uh, I don't Kenny, know the name of his instructor. He right worked now. Uh, just just his putting instructor. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's who it is. Mm. Um, and the stroke looked good during during the match play. Okay, um, he made some putts. Uh, coming in, it's just what version of Tiger are we going to see? Are we going to see the guy that refuses to make a bogey? Or are we going to see the guy that hits a bunch of loose tee shots and loose iron shots? Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I I I, I saw Brandel Chambly. Uh, talking about this in the golf channel and i thought it was a really really good point and uh well quick quick aside here real quick mm -hmm. what are do you like brandel no can't stand brandel uh i think he's i think he's really outspoken he loves the sound of his own voice way too much yes um he talks like he's won like eight majors um but he, so he's an acquired taste some yeah. people some people can appreciate um you know how exact he is and his his vocabulary and stuff like that but mm -hmm. for me it looks it looks to me like a guy that is almost playing a part yeah um versus a guy like duval who literally was there was the best player in the world mm -hmm. better than tiger when tiger was unbelievable yeah uh won 13 times in five years in a major and uh he doesn't have a filter and he he can um articulate uh, a little bit better than Brandon Chambly, who will use some words that confuse people. Yeah, you know what I mean? He certainly does. Like, he's definitely uh, trying to use those words to make him seem really smart. And I mm -hmm. don't think I, – I like, I, I take someone like Duvall who's just more upfront and no filter with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think the majority of people would tend to agree with you. I hope so. Duvall's yeah. a man. Yeah. Um, so, Chambly was on the Golf Channel saying that basically, you know, when Tiger has been successful at Augusta, it is because he's just been absolutely eviscerating the par fives. Oh, yeah. All right, and you know the years that he hasn't won. It's a bold statement, like you know what I mean. It's like it's a, it's a stat. But I found this interesting. In 1997, when he basically waxed the field on for the week on par fives, he was 13 under par. Yeah. The next best guy in the entire tournament was 10 under. Yeah. And then the other times that he won, he was you know I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but he was basically just crushing it on par fives. Where over the last year, Tiger Woods has not been at the top of his game on three shotters in the same capacity like it used to and with the par fives at augusta being so gettable if you're hitting good second shots and you're giving yourself eagle putts i mean on that back nine i mean would you say 13 and 15 are as eagleable a duo of par fives as there are on any closing stretch of any for those guys yeah yeah i mean you know the, you know 530 510 yards like those guys if they hit two great shots they should have a very makeable look at eagle oh yeah just and, the greens just the greens protecting those right those scores there now granted tiger doesn't have the distance advantage over the field like Houston. now granted mm -hmm. he still belts the ball a pretty good way oh yeah like, he's he, not short yeah he's not short by any yeah. means but i i wonder if he is going to be able to get any kind of separation on par fives like he used to and if he can't can he still win Oh, he can certainly still win, but he's not going to be able to separate himself from par fives. There's, yeah. there's, he'll be, he'll probably be below average in par five scoring. I think so, right? Yeah. And I guess I got to this: like, if you're below average on par five scoring, yeah. is he going to be putting the ball well enough to be able to make up for that? Yeah, that's that's what he's been working on. We hope so. Because uh, his putting looked good in Austin, and it's looked okay, but I, I still feel like it's not where it was. Not not necessarily at his apex, because obviously mm -hmm. his apex is yeah. probably the greatest putter in the history of golf. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like he's really even close to that. 
even no, though he's been no, putting no, no. better. Was, and so we saw he he's missing putts that we never saw him miss. You know what I mean, to to lose that match, we never saw Tiger miss. No, I've n- never seen Tiger that he, that he had to have. Exactly, never. exactly. So, so I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about Tiger for this oh, for week. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think we probably have dialed down expectations. Yeah. But uh, would not be surprised if he's there, for sure. Yeah, but the thing is, regardless of what he does, he is going to be, if not the biggest, then one you know, one of the two or three biggest storylines oh, yeah. uh, at, at this year's Masters. So it's going to be fascinating uh, to see, see Tiger, watch what he does. Um, another huge storyline for this year's tournament is the Golden Boy. Oh, yeah. The guy who has won a Masters, gift-wrapped a Masters to Danny Willett, yep. uh, almost won another one last year. And seemingly uh, can't break par on a weekend right now. <laughs> yeah, the forty-two thirty-one on Saturday at uh, at Valero. Oh, that was great back nine. Luckily, <laughs> I didn't get to watch any of the front nine. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what's going on with this guy right now? I mean, you're he's just, you're, you're he's a teaching just, professional. What's he's the, just searching? There's a great quote. Um, Jonathan Vegas played with him the first two rounds, and they're both uh, UT Austin guys. And he, uh, Jordan goes sixty-eight, sixty-eight, and Jonathan Vegas after the round was like, "Well." If that's if that's the definition of a slump, then I want to be to slump the rest of my career. So obviously, right. like he's not playing well, uh, especially on weekends. Like that, it speaks for itself. Uh, but like we talked about at the top of the broadcast, or podcast, I should say, um, he comes down Magnolia Lane, mm-hmm. and it's just a fresh week. Yeah, it's like the first tournament of the year for him. Um, basically, that's when his season starts. Right, and. He's only made so much money, so literally this, <laughs> if he finishes well, this is where his season is going to start. Yep. But, you know, just looking at it from that perspective, uh, I feel like every time he plays there, the first round is a fresh start to a year, and there's nothing better than teeing off with a clean slate. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? 100%. And so he, he probably just gets all googly-eyed as soon as he gets as soon as he makes that left or right down Magnolia and forgets all the negativity, forgets all the critics, and is just like, oh yeah, no, there's, oh, I, oh yeah, I, I did pack the green jacket. I do have some success here. Um, for from he probably just he probably just gets giddy. I was say he walk he like s- steps out of his car after driving down Magnolia Lane, just oh, at yeah. just full pant tent. Just oh, yeah. at, and, and the thing is, the guys in the green jackets, the members are looking at me like, oh yeah, he's here. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, there he is. Oh yeah, he's 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 here and he's here. Yeah, he's uh, back. And what I find kind of interesting is that, you know, I'm obviously focused on Spieth. You know, he's not been playing good golf, but my attention span is that of a, you know, 21st century human, as yeah. are most of ours. Yeah. He was coming in shaky to last year's tournament, too. Yeah. He was not playing good golf in 2018 no. leading up to the Masters. No. And that guy, you know, until he decided to fucking yank one into the trees on 18, he had a great <sighs> chance to win last year. Gosh. And so, um, you know, despite how terrible he's been these last couple of months, um, until he is officially eliminated from contention, he cannot be discounted. And so it's it's going to no, be fascinating he, like, to see if he can. D- he'll he'll never be out. If he makes the cut, he'll never be out of it. Yeah, like he could be ten strokes back, and in the back of everyone else's mind, they're like, "Well, we know what he can do." <laughs> um, so yeah, it's he's he, he's one of those players where he's extremely fun to watch yeah. at Augusta because. He he can throw up like three bogeys in four holes and then shoot like thirty on the back nine, and the back nine is just built for comebacks. Yeah, it is. It's part like of what if, makes like this tournament so like great. If the guy's been hot all week. That doesn't necessarily mean he'll be hot on the back nine on Sunday, but there's a pretty good chance that a lot of the guys behind him are going to get hot. Yeah, hundred <laughs> uh, percent. Because it it's it's 
the hole set up for you to play aggressively. And for the guy with the lead, you almost have to play aggressively too just because some of those par 5 wedge shots and then you look at the par 3s, like if you come up short right on 16, that is such a hard two-putt. You know what I mean? Not going to happen. 17, if you don't hit it in the right tier, such a hard two-putt or up and down. So it's like even if you have a three- or four-stroke lead, you still have to hit the throttle and just trust that you're going to – you need to be aggressive to a small target. Yes. You know what I mean? 100%. Not a lot of bailout coming down the stretch. No, sir. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, so it, it will be fascinating. It is something that we're all going to be following to see if Jordan Spieth can somehow conjure up some magic one more time. Yeah, trick, and, trick uh, himself into being in good form. Yeah, that, that, would, be, that would be phenomenal. Um, let's see here. Another storyline to watch. Uh, everybody's least favorite golfer is the defending champion. Oh, it's it, it's it's. Uh, we we got to talk about we got to talk about April Fools. Yeah. Wait, we have to Jeff talk Shackelford about that. had me last <laughs> week. Honestly, the thing is like the best part is like obviously if you go back and listen to it, like oh, I, so I, great. I I give the caveat in the beginning, but like Jeff Shackelford wrote a couple stories that like I wanted to believe so badly oh. that I just allowed myself to get just absolutely dominated and it's just, on April Fool's. It's it's like he was almost just writing to us here in Santa Rosa because oh that's God. where Fieri's from. I know. It oh, was, it was too good. It dude. was like it was so good. I was like, this just can't possibly be false because it's so awesome. Right when we Even get the, done. But the best I'm part is like, like when you texted me after we finished recording know. you texted me after we finished recording and you're like Dude, it's April Fools. And like the second I read it, I was like, <laughs> Of course those things were not true. And I felt like an idiot. But I was like, Oh God, could it makes, they, it, even, it, makes it even better. God, it, like could, couldn't like they have just, just been true. Like, like seriously, like how great would that have been if that scenario actually played out? Oh, it would have been Or or she even made a phone call to be like, Okay, here's what I want to do without telling Patrick. But that's what's so great about the the I mean, as far as April Fools jokes go, it was so perfect because like it is kind of believable. Like, oh yeah, it, you know it really. It really. Well, if is. she's finding him instructors behind his back, yeah, the dinner is n- nothing compared to that. Oh God, it's really, really incredible. Yeah. Um. So we've obviously discussed. You know, we we've discussed this at length on this you know previous couple podcasts. Uh, the entire golf world knows that Patrick Reed is not in good form right now. No. Um, maybe even worse form than Jordan Spieth. And I guess possibly he is the defending Masters champion. Do you recall, other than Danny Willett? Do you ever recall coming into the beginning of Masters week and thinking the defending champion has no chance? No. Right? No. This is the first time where I'm like, I would be miffed yeah. if Patrick Reed is in contention on Sunday. Now, I'm not saying it can't happen because this is one golf course where, I mean, we were just talking about with Jordan Spieth. Almost yeah. anything can happen on this golf course. If you're playing really, you know, playing pretty well, you can, but... I just there's nothing that leads me to believe that Patrick Reed is playing well right now. No, um, I, I, he he, uh, he has more obligations with the media now as mm-hmm. a past champ. Yeah, um, I I don't see it. I, I don't see it. I don't think anyone would be like, oh yeah, no, I, I got P. Reed repeating. Do you do you think he misses the cut? Uh, no, I don't think he misses the cut just because so many people make the cut. Yeah, numbers wise. Yeah, I guess that's true. Actually, this is a question that. Uh, uh, I was on the No Gimmies podcast last week doing their Masters preview with my friend Chris Durr, and his one of the questions he had for me were best players that might miss the cut at this year's Masters. Is there anybody in the top 50 in the world that you think could conceivably miss the cut at the Masters? Uh, Jason Day, just because of the injury and the... What, 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 what is the deal with his injury, by the way? Point out of tournaments. I don't know. I heard it's like a back injury. Um, he's just getting cortisone shots and stuff like that. 
It seems like he just needs to shut it down for a little bit. It is such a bummer because that guy is so spectacularly talented. Mm-hmm. And that when he's healthy and he's playing well, I mean, he's very much in contention for the best player in the world. I mean, he was for a you know a, a year-plus stretch there. Yeah. Um, man, it is a bummer to see him just continually. He's basically got the body of a 74-year-old. Yeah. He, he, I mean, he was powerlifting and stuff. He got really big. Yeah. He got really big. Um, he's Tiger without the Navy SEAL training. Yeah, it takes it, it, it takes its toll on your body, man. Yeah, that's that is uh, yeah, that's really unfortunate. I have a random question for you. He does seem like he come he plays really really well in the biggest tournaments. I feel like I haven't heard anybody talking about Brooks Kepka being a, a guy that might be able to win this golf tournament. Now, I'm not sorry, I'm not trying to say that he might miss the cut. He could. He but like that sure thing is like of, yeah. of any of all like the top five, top ten players in the world, if you force me to pick one of those guys that might be so bad that they could possibly miss the cut, it might. It it's seems crazy to say, but yeah, it might be the guy that's won three out of the last like seven majors that he's played in. Like yeah, that's, he's, he's not in good form. No, that's he's not a good form. And plus, it also it seems like Augusta, a place that it's a requirement to be able to hit the ball left to right and right to left and have a great you know and be putting great for four straight days. That just doesn't seem like something that I've seen Brooks Kepka do before. We haven't seen him. Even with his U.S. Open wins, like those are at golf tournaments where he doesn't have to be shaping the ball constantly on every single hole. Like he could hit the ball high to an exact spot, you know, and then he's great at that. But until I actually see him in contention on Sunday at the Masters, I I don't know if it's a golf course that suits his game very well. No, he's. Uh... Well, I have it here. His best finish. He's played there. Uh, Kepka's played there four times. His best finish is tied for eleventh. So okay, nothing jumps off the page. There. So he's still still looking for his first top ten. Probably yeah. A couple more years down the road when he's got a little bit more um, you know comfort around the course, I could mm-hmm. say okay yeah he hasn't been in that good of shape uh, coming in. But uh, yeah, I just it, it doesn't something in the back of my mind is going no not this week no. Do you have any updates for us for the uh, Texas Tech-Virginia uh, game? Uh, yeah, it's an overtime, and Virginia is up two with a minute six left. It's Jesus. All right. Uh, let's see here. Some other storylines. So let's, let's go last couple storylines here before we jump uh, jump to the next item on our list. Um, all right here. Oh, that was actually a really good one. Uh, okay, here's, here's one of the questions. This one actually comes from golf.com. And uh, uh, what? Look at me, just being a Daryl on this thing. Uh, uh, number two they had for me. Yes, Tiger Woods is a 14-1 to betting favorite to win the Masters. And Rory McIlroy, 7-1. to Dustin Johnson, 10-1. to Justin Rose, 12-1. to Does Vegas have these odds right? 7-1. to uh, Like, basically, I, I, with Rory being, you know, having the best odds, then Dustin Johnson, then Justin Rose... And then Tiger, not necessarily like, but just in terms of the order, would you agree with the top guys with the best four odds? Probably in yeah. the likelihood that they would win. Probably. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm good with those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vegas is really good. They they have yeah. a pretty pretty good beat on what they're doing. That's why they still have. Yeah. It's one. Yeah, exactly. Um. All right. This is just a right. This is a subjective question for you, mm-hmm. my friend. What is the worst case scenario for this weekend? Uh. Like what? What is the uh, thing? A, a, you a European gaining more momentum. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh no! Uh, 
That would be bad. Yeah, um, just just in case everybody, you're hearing right some groans right now. I believe Virginia just scored again to go 77, up. 77-73. Oh, Virginia, my gosh. 27 seconds left. Oh, this no. Um, let's see here. Yeah, so just basically a European winning or you know just a group? Yeah, uh, I mean, worst scenario, just because Ian Poulter. If the, <laughs> guy, if, if the guy wins, I'm just going to be bummed out. Like I just, I, I just don't like the guy. Um, really don't like the guy. That would be worst case scenario. After that, I can handle a European winning, uh, you know, someone like Rose, or the, or the Olympic champion. I, I'd be Olympic okay with that. Olympic champion, Justin Rose. The thing is, if Justin Rose or Tommy Fleetwood won, I'd be pretty pumped. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess here's good. What is worse, Ian Poulter winning or Patrick Reed going back-to-back? Uh, Ian Poulter winning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey. If I ha- if somebody has to come stand up for Ian Poulter, at least he doesn't look like a complete idiot anymore. At least he kind of dresses like an actual sensible human He's being. He's dialed now. it down a little he bit. He has dialed it down a little bit. Now, if Ian Poulter came back and threw on some of those British British pants to win the Masters on Sunday, I might just quit watching golf altogether. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> oh, that would be terrible. Now, conversely, best case scenario. Phil. Really? For me, I mean, really? yeah. Get another jacket. So you think Phil winning a fourth Masters and being the oldest Masters champion in history would actually produce a better tournament than Tiger winning? One uh, B is Tiger, obviously. Uh, okay. But, okay, it's a tie. Either Tiger or Phil. Um, after that, probably Spieth. Are we stuck in, like, the early 2000s? Because I still, like, no. I, I would agree with you 100%. Like, yeah, I, I probably have be. Tiger as 1A and then Phil 1B, but, like, I don't know if I'm just holding on. Yeah, well, uh, like, I'm definitely uh, holding on. Oh, my gosh, man. That, that would be so spectacular. Now, here's a question. Is it the best of both worlds if we have a Tiger-filled duel on Sunday on the back nine? Oh. <laughs> can, you ima- like, can you imagine how many pairs of underpants we'd have to go through on the Sunday if that was the case? so ridiculous. Woo! My word. Yeah, that would be insane. I would, I would have to believe it would be the most watched Masters. Well, now, here's a question. Yeah. With Tiger, quote-unquote, sort of turning a new leaf in this part of his career, yeah. if all of a sudden... They're going, you know, they're walking down eleven, all right, and they're even, and they're four strokes clear of the field, right, and they're neck and neck. Is Tiger go into full on early two thousands Tiger mode where he's not talking to Phil? Oh, I period one hundred percent. Okay, he's he's not doing the thing like that he's been doing the last like year and a half where he's like talk a little bit, laughing a little bit. Like he goes he goes into full Tiger mode. Oh, straight he? straight grind mode. Okay, all right. Just wanted to make sure. I guess. Yeah. Then the question, well, he started today. sorry 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 jt just ask jt oh my gosh yeah that would be oh man i just i would i'd be wet with excitement boat if that if oh man tiger in contention on sunday just incredible now for a little historical context uh this is actually courtesy of uh my friends at the fried egg you know uh, powerful andy johnson's website okay and this is a little something that uh one of their contributors joe pita put together an all-time list of the uh, leaders in strokes gained at Augusta. They've got nine names here, right? And these range from 105 strokes gained at Augusta for the ninth best to the leader, all-time leader, has 287 strokes gained on the field over the course of his master's career. There's nine guys on here. We're going to go through all nine of them, but who do you think is number one? at two hundred? Because here's the thing. Number two only has 206 strokes gained. So the leader is 
80. 80's total strokes gained over second place. And keep in mind, number nine has a total of 105 over their career. So the guy who's leading all time in strokes gained at Augusta, it's by a very, very, very large margin. All right? Now, I'm going to go through nine nine to three, and then I'll let you kind of guess the top two guys. Number nine, Raymond Floyd, who did win the Masters in 1976 and came very close several more times, including late in his career, in his late 40s in 1991, won Ian Woosnam won, and then also in 1992 won Fred Couples won. Raymond Floyd is at number nine, all right? At number eight, the Shark, Greg Norman. Yep. By the way, looking back on it, how do you feel about Greg Norman? I don't feel bad for him. I, I, I should catch myself. I don't feel bad for the guy at all. I don't feel bad for uh, him either. He won two two British Opens, but yeah, he sure did gag a lot. Um, but I don't feel bad for the guy, not at all. Once I heard a story, and I can't remember the caddy who I heard it from, but I heard something where you know guys were talking about what happens when they you know get a bad break and they're in like a divot or something in the fairway. And this caddy worked with Greg Norman, and he also worked with Tom Watson. And he said, the biggest difference between Greg Norman and Tom Watson is that when Greg Norman would find his ball in a divot in the fairway, his reaction would be to look at his caddy and then look around for Rules Fish and be like, what is this? Like, this, like, I, I can get relief, right? This, or so, this is, this, yeah. I, I don't like this. He's like, whereas when I caddied for Tom Watson, when he found his ball in a, in a divot in the fairway, he'd look at me and he'd smile and say, watch this. Yeah. You know, absolutely. like, and, and when, when I heard that, I was like, oh. Greg Norman's soft. Okay. No, he, he, he does not need my respect anymore. He's so looking for he, excuses yeah. instead of opportunities. Exactly, exactly. So, Greg Norman is eight. The the steadiest German there ever was, Bernard Burner. Langer, oh, yeah. at number seven. Uh, the man I was just referencing, Tom Watson, at six. Mm-hmm. Uh, and funny enough, the number five, it shouldn't have surprised me, although it did. Um, I mean, he was like one of the leading money winners in the history of professional golf until the the purses just got out of hand, and obviously mm-hmm. he got blown by. But Tom Kite at number five, yeah. Number four would go to our guy Fred Couples, mm-hmm. and then the top three. Yeah. At this point, it kind of seems like two of the top three are pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. But if you had to guess, if you had to rank one, two, three, given the names that I've already said. Do you want to make any any guesses as to who would be three, two, and one, and, and any guess at what order they would be in? Uh, I gotta believe number three is Sir Nick Faldo. Sir Nick Faldo's not on the list. What? <laughs> oh wow! I know. Uh, I, I, that, I thought that was like I thought a multiple time Masters champion had to be on the list, but hmm. amazingly that was not the case. Uh, three is probably Phil. Then you're very close. Tigers, are we leaving out Jack? You got the three. Okay, yeah. It is Tiger at three. Tiger at three. Phil at two. Phil at two, Jack at one. And then Jack at one. And I'm wondering, at 287 strokes gained, so before you go on, this is a quote from the Friday. Go back and look at the career strokes gain list at the top of this piece and note that Jack Nicklaus's incredible total of 287. He has more stroke gain than number four, Fred Couples, and number nine, Raymond Floyd, combined. Crazy. 14 stroke gained in a tournament is the threshold for an expected win. And with 280 career strokes gained, Jack has amassed 20 such of those performances. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack his, Nicholas was really good at golf. Are, his records are so good. <laughs> Jack Nicholas was really, really good at golf. Uh, it's pretty incredible. By the way, uh, just an update for any of you guys that have been listening to this podcast after the fact. 
It does not look like Texas Tech is going to win this championship game. Virginia final, 85-77. Wow. Pretty incredible stuff. I mean, obviously not a golf note, but being eliminated by a 16 seed to winning the whole dance the very next year. Yeah. That is a, you know, that is a little bit of retribution for Tony Bennett and his guys. Tip the bill to the coach for getting his guys re-motivated. God damn it. Um, All right. So we got some of those uh, strokes gain stuff. Where do we want to go next for a boat? If I had, if you want, do you want to hit uh, kind of going through uh, a preview of the actual course itself? Or do you want to jump into the uh, the results from this player survey that Golf.com did? Oh, let's do a player survey. Player survey. All right. So uh, Golf.com conducted a player survey where they asked guys a bunch of questions about Augusta. I thought it would be a fun exercise to ask these same questions to Boat and see what his answer is, then I'll share some of the results here with you. All right. All right. In your opinion, what is the best hole at Augusta National? Um, for me, it's 16. 16. That was not one of the answers of the professionals. It looks like the leader uh, with 28% of the professionals surveyed, and I think there was 40 of them that they pulled for this, said number 12. 12? What? Par 3, number 12. Number 13 was the second Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 12 is a par 3. 11 is a par 4. Yeah, that's what I thought. Instead of saying 11, I should have said 12. Yeah, Yeah. so number 12 was their favorite. Uh, Number 13 was second. And the par 5, 15th was third. Gotcha. Very interesting. Yep. Um, let's see. What is the worst hole at Augusta? Now, admittedly, I feel like I'm not equipped to answer this question because mm-hmm. even though the broadcast has been great and has been yeah, allowed we, me to watch there, yeah. the front nine you know, more and more, I don't know the front nine nearly as well as I know the back nine. And so if you got, if they said you know, some, some on the front nine, which they do, they say 33% of the players say that number four is their least favorite or worst hole at Augusta. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I thought was really odd was that the second, you know, the second most popular answer for the worst hole at Augusta was number eleven. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I hear all the guys complaining about number fourteen, so I don't know what's wrong with eleven. I number eleven is great. That's yeah, it's that's, a great. That's hole. phenomenal. Um, okay. They give you a bailout area. What are you worried about? All right. Here's my question to you: Would lengthening the par five thirteenth Make it a better hole. No. The players agree with you. 77% of the players answered that question, absolutely not. Yeah, that's a negative. Absolutely not. That's a no for me, dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, phenomenal. Um, let's see here. Oh, here's, here's a good one. What is the scariest shot at Augusta? Scariest shot, uh, probably with the lead on Sunday, is the tee shot on 12. Exactly. That is 100% the exact same thing. In fact, it wasn't even close. 38% of the players polled said the tee shot on 12 was the scariest shot yeah. at Augusta. Um, second place would have been the second shot on the par 5 15th. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Great, great stuff. Um, when the players were asked if Tiger would win another green jacket before it's all said and done, over under on 55%. Of what you know, so I I could show you what their answers are, but if I gave you over under on fifty five percent, do you think fifty five percent said yes? No, no, but it's like I'm setting at fifty five. Do you think? Oh yeah, no, I, I think I think probably more more of the guys said the over. Yeah, seventy five percent of players thought that Tiger would win another one. Yeah, pretty good stuff. Um, let's see here. Will well, Phil? They, they, don't, they don't want it to come out that they're they're rooting against Tiger because right. then they know he's just going <laughs> to run off like four in a row. They're going to get Stephen Ames. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when they were asked the exact same question about Phil Mickelson, mm-hmm. what percentage of them said yes, he will win another green jacket? Uh, a lot less. 
How much less? A lot, probably half as many. 13% said Phil could win another one. Yeah, they, they think his nerves are shot. I think that's bullshit, dude. He, his nerves aren't shot. He <sighs> keeps winning. All the guy, you know, he, he all he does is win. So, Yeah, I think that's crazy. He's comfortable there. So I don't know why it's so low, but that's probably the perception of those guys. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a question I'm actually going to ask you. You know, assuming that uh, your career had gone just slightly, I mean, you're a hell of a player, so it wouldn't have had to go that much differently. But let's say you're, let's say you're a professional on the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. Would you rather win one green jacket or ten tour events? Um, probably ten tour events. <laughs> you are with the twenty-seven uh, percent of players who answer that. Yeah, seventy-three percent said they'd take one green jacket over ten lifetime tour events. Well, ten lifetime tour events—that means you've got your job for a lot longer. Um, That's also it's, ten. It's not like you're, like you're going to win ten in five years, and a master's is a five-year exemption. Yeah. Uh, if you're on tour for that much longer, that means more sponsorship money. Um. And uh, yeah, why do you have to think about it from such a pragmatic standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I mean <laughs> of course, as a kid, you dream about winning, winning, winning the Masters. But then, as an adult, you're like, well, this is my, this is my living now. Like, I would like a career longevity. You'd rather option. be Charles Howell than Danny Willett. Yes. Okay. Are you kidding me? Okay. Good. All right. Excellent. Uh, uh, let's see here. Um, would you rather like win Craig one? Perks one of players, dude. Oh, all right. Here's a good one. You have to choose between three. Like there, there's three options here. You have to choose one. Would you rather a win one Masters, b win two U.S. Opens, or three, or c win three PGA Championships? Uh, three PGAs. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Oddly enough, that was the least popular answer. Thirty percent said they'd rather win one Masters. 35%, which was the most popular answer, said two U.S. Opens. Mm-hmm. And then 22% said three PGA Championships. Yeah, three PGA uh, and best field in golf. I mean, the thing is, like, they're all major championships. It's just a ton of guys. A three-time yeah, major championship really winner sounds better than two or one. Yeah, I mean, at you're, at you're, least getting, me. you're getting some club pro guys in there. But um, as far as, it's, yeah, no, I'd take three PGAs. It's another major. I just want to let you know, two guys actually answered a question that wasn't uh, – on, on the poll and said, I'd actually rather just win the British Open. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's see here. Uh, who wins a Masters first, Ricky or Rory? Hey, boy. Probably Rory this year. I just I feel so strongly he's going to get it this year. But Ricky, I think he's as high as he can hit it. I think he's probably going to get a couple before his – is all said and done. Yeah, a, a large majority of the players thought Rory was going to win one before Ricky. Seventy-eight percent, in fact. But here's yeah. here's what's great: three players actually had the stones to answer. I don't think either one of them's ever won a one. <laughs> wow, <laughs> uh, that's incredible. a bold statement. That is incredible. Uh, that's let, a bold statement. Let's hear. If Augusta National Golf Club offered you a membership tomorrow, would you accept it? Well, that's a stupid ass question. <laughs> Yeah, what's the key to yeah, on right. that? <laughs> I, what I want to know is who are the who is the dumbass seven percent that said no? <laughs> that just seems crazy. No, no, I, I, I hate Georgia. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Have you ever used your phone on the golf course? Seventy-three percent of the players said yes. What, where do they? Billy Payne is not stoked on no, that answer right there. No. Oh, use their phone on on Augusta grounds. On Augusta grounds. Oh God. 
They shouldn't have. They seventy-three sh- percent said yes. That would have been a, not just on the grounds, on the course. That would have been a no comment. Woo! <laughs> Good thing this thing was anonymous. Yeah, right. <laughs> My word. Uh, let's see here. Would you be supportive of a Masters rule that required players to use a limited flight ball? Hmm. Now again, this was an no. anonymous player no. survey. Just, just move the tees up. Okay. Yeah. Seventy-two yeah. percent of the players agree with you and said yeah. no. Yeah. Um. Five percent said they really don't care. Yeah. One way or the other, which I think is interesting. Uh, let's see here. Should the Masters enact a local rule that prohibits the field from putting with the flagstick in? Uh, well, they're so tight with the RNA and the USGA that would that would create more more conversations that we shouldn't be talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no. I mean, if it's a USGA and RNA. Roll, leave the flagstick in. Okay, yeah, the, the players agree. Fifty-eight percent said no. Thirty-three percent said yes. Nine percent said they didn't care one way or the other. Yeah. Let's see here. Is the Masters overrated? No, underrated. If anything, ninety-two <laughs> percent of the players agree with you. The Masters will never be overrated. <laughs> Absolutely right. Uh, let's see here. Oh, okay. Uh, this is one that actually didn't have a, an answer. They just it was an it was an open ended question, and it actually just so happened that a lot of the players answered the the same way. Um, so I'll see if you can guess the same thing that they said. What's one thing most golf fans don't know about Augusta National Golf Club? No, oh, it's how hilly it is. Yeah. It's exactly forty percent of the players have that exact same answer, literally verbatim. How hilly it is. Yeah. Uh, some of the other answers. Well, actually, shoot. No more than two golfers answered uh, the same for any other one. So that the bird sounds are fake. <laughs> uh, the greens aren't as fast as you think. Don't believe you. Uh, Masters champions do not become members. Uh, the green jacket has to stay on property. Those are the other answers that uh, multiple guys gave. Um, let's see here. That's that's all I got for you. What what do you think of this uh, anonymous player survey? That's good. Good good info. Good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was uh, was kind of fun to go through. Um, all right. Let's see here. Got a couple other things before we get to our odds and and the wagers and everything like that. Um, you were mentioning something about a a gentleman by the name of Jeff Knox. Jeff Knox, the club's marker, I, the so, club's cup, uh, club champion. I'm so disappointed in myself that I did not know about this. Can you enlighten the folks listening to this podcast? Yes. Yeah, so who exactly is Jeff Knox? If someone, well, he's a member. Uh, if someone is he just any member? No, he's a club champion. Um, club multiple champion. Club, uh, time club champion. If if someone gets injured in the first two rounds, he'll play as a marker. Um, you know, well, there's there's three guys in those groups, so two guys would have to be. It'd be in very unforeseen uh, circumstance. But on the back nine, or I, I should say, after the cut, if there's an odd number of people to make the cut, he's he's the guy to make the uh, the one sum and two sum. And uh, Keith Mitchell, who won in Honda, he sought him out uh, for a practice round. Um, so yeah, little known Jeff Knox, who from the members tee has that course record, uh, 61 in 2003, even from the members tees, dude, a 61 out there is nuts. That is absolutely nuts. Now, what kind of Intel do you think crunchy Pete was getting from Jeff Knox in their early practice round? (laughs) Do you think he was asking him the best place to grab a bowl of granola and Augusta was? I'll bet they have such a close eye on Crunchy Pete. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know there's a guy with Sergio for 18 holes, but I'm guessing Crunchy Pete might have his own guy, too. 
Do you, where where exactly do you think Crunchy Pete has his Jeep parked where he's like sleeping and stuff like that for this golf tournament? Uh, you know, do you I, think they're letting him sleep in his Jeep on Augusta grounds? Or do you think they're actually telling him that he has to go somewhere off property? I'll bet he was like to the amateurs, like, hey, dude, I'll give you like 50 bucks a night for the crow's nest or whatever it is above the <laughs> butler cabin um, where the amateurs stay. But uh, <laughs> uh, that's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> might, he might be. He's, he's, I mean, who knows? Maybe a twitter.com follower offered him a spare bedroom in one of their local houses for the week but uh yeah he's a beaut i can't wait i, I hope he gets some airtime now that would be beautiful honestly i would love to see keith mitchell in contention or yeah. at least, you know not gonna happen close yeah. to potential. like i don't think it's gonna happen one just because you know keith mitchell First seems like a, yeah. he seems like a good guy yeah uh but also like being able to see Crunchy Pete in that white jumpsuit, yeah, just you know, actually giving meaningful advice on the yeah. weekend would be incredible. Yep, absolutely incredible. Um, all right, my friend, we got just a couple, uh, two other things we want to hit before we do this thing. Are you feeling yep. okay? We need to take a, a beer break, a, a restroom little, break, a little restroom break. Yep, let's do it. All right, we're gonna be right back here after a quick word from our friends. And by friends, I mean moi. Uh, just want to remind all of you guys that if you had not had a chance to check out the new golfguy.net yet, now is a absolutely spectacular time to do so. Uh, the all new golfguy.net, a much cleaner, more user-friendly look. You could find discounted golf passes to golf courses all over Northern California for as much as 70% off. It is awesome. Really, really proud of how the new site turned out. My good buddy Dick Amarine is actually our poster boy sitting on the front page of the website right now, just hitting the flush little seven iron on number 12 out of Bandon Dunes, just looking like a goddamn savage. Anyway, golfguide.net, great website. We will help you find the golf you need, all right? All of our articles posted on golfguide.net, really, really cool stuff. If you haven't checked that already, please do so. And that's it. I'm not going to bother you guys anymore. Let's not waste any more time and get back to the Masters Preview Podcast with my good friend, Jess Mack. All right. So, getting ready for this golf tournament. I do find it strange that a golf, a tournament, but specifically a golf course as storied and as pristine as Augusta National, to me, it seems like there is not another golf course out there that is openly willing to make alterations to its its course in a way that Augusta National is. They've obviously, you know, it's been rumored and, you know, they're going to be moving the tees back at 13, uh, making it longer. Um, but this course undergoes a ton of change, which, again, for a golf course that's ranked as highly as it is, um, it, it's very, very uncommon for the membership and pr- pretty much just to be willingly changing things. Now, Obviously, the difference is Augusta is hosting a golf tournament for the best players in the world. Yeah. And given the fact that these guys just seem to be hitting the ball longer and longer and longer every single year, they're trying to make changes, I think, with the intention of keeping the integrity and the strategy of the holes the same. Yeah. But since guys are now hitting the golf ball 330 instead of 250, it's requiring a lot of tees to get moved back and bunkers to get moved and things like that. So I figure maybe we just touch on a little bit of like a course preview here, just going over some of the different holes and, yeah. and what everybody's thinking. Now, Anybody listening to this podcast obviously loves golf, so you know that each of the holes that Augusta has, uh, you know, a name, and most of which are just phenomenal. So, uh, I've got them memorized. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, number one, T. Olive. T. Olive. Um, do you want to know what Tiger Woods' secret is to number one? No. 
You don't. You don't want to know. What is it? Do you want to know? Okay. This is a quote from Tiger. If the wind isn't blowing, it's really not that hard of a golf hole. It's a three wood. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, just the stones on the guy to be like, yeah, it's just really not that hard of a wind. Uh, The entire (laughs) golf world watching. A little bit of history behind Uh, it. Uh, The honorary starters. no, it's really not that hard of a hole. Oh, it's incredible. Oh, that's great. He says, it's a three-wood if they move the tee up, or it's a cut driver if the tees move back. Uh, when the wind's blowing, though, uh, if it's coming out of the west or the north, it's one of the hardest opening holes in golf. Uh, because that green is not designed for a six-iron or a five-iron, uh, and, th- and that's why it makes it so difficult, considering that's what we have to be hitting into it now that it's lengthened out so much. Um, it gets scary if you're able to play the hole uh, in 16. So if you're playing at even par throughout the week, you're – you've got a leg up on the rest of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, really, the all-time best player scoring average at number one is a gentleman for, by the name of... For a week? Uh, lifetime. Oh, lifetime. Lifetime scoring average. The all-time leader at T. Olive is a gentleman by the name of Mark McCumber Okay. with a scoring average of 3.92. And he probably played... Like carry, one or two. Carry like, the one. He probably played two Masters. Yeah, he probably played two Masters. Uh, the worst all-time average on T. Olive is a young man by the name of Kevin Na, <laughs> who has a scoring average of 4.68 on T. Olive. God, really? Woo! <laughs> My word. <laughs> He's really pushing for uh, a 1 in 10 start. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, I get started on the back nine. Yeah, so and, and like I was just saying, um, there have been changes made to almost every hole at Augusta National, and most of the golf holes out there have been altered several times. The most recent uh, change to T. Olive was in 2010, uh, when the practice putting green behind the first tee was reduced by 20% uh, to improve, improve the flow of the patrons' access to number one. Perfect. Uh, which is which is really, really great. Well, that's what they're all about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know if it's on your list there, but we do need to talk about the menu. Oh, absolutely. Now that, that is a, we're, I'm let's talking about, about patrons' menu. Yeah, the patrons' menu. So yeah. that, that's coming up after this guy, but before okay. our wagers. Okay, good. Uh, number two at Augusta is a 575-yard par five. I believe you're referring to Pink Dogwood. Correct. This is Pink Dogwood. Well said. Um, and I've actually got a little tidbit from each of the players here on their secrets to each of these holes. Is, is this something that you might yeah, want to hear? Yeah, absolutely. Let's, so let's spill the beans. F- for Pink Dogwood, Zach Johnson has decided to uh, share some of his secrets for, for Pink Dogwood. And is the key at number two is just getting your drive and play. Wow. Really excellent insight. Groundbreaking. Uh, because you can make birdie or eagle from the fairway. If there's another key, it's to miss for the most part, with the exception of the back right pin, is to stay right on your second shot. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, all-time lowest scoring average, Nick Watney at 4.39 and Ricky Fowler at 4.4 even. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh I don't recognize really either of the names of the worst scoring averages, but the all-time worst we'll scoring average we'll is Jim Gallagher Jr. at 5.13. Golf Channel analyst with a hell of a comb-over. Okay, excellent. <laughs> One hell of a comb-over. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Robert Carlson at 5.09. Carlson was the big Swede. Uh, yeah. Okay, so th- those guys have the and two. And he was a big guy, but he hit it like nowhere. Right. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and but again, the all-time worst score average, these guys are... Kind a, of a flimsy a, swing, if a I believe. tenth of a stroke over par. So, I mean, yeah. this is this is a hole that generally guys um, do pretty well on. The most recent change to Pink Dogwood was in 2010 when the front of the green was widened approximately by eight feet. Like it, yep. Okay. More, more room for the ball to bounce yep. up. Yep. Absolutely. Love it. Let's see. Number three, a 350-yard par four. Would you like to let us know what uh, number three is called, Mr. Stemak? It's a 
Flowering Peach? Correct. This is fl- so Flowering Peach. Not to be confused with hole number four's name. Flowering Crabapple. Come on. Could this be any better? Zach Johnson is actually once again going to provide us with his secret to number three. And uh, uh, lackluster play. Uh, flowering Peach. <laughs> uh, you have to know where the pin is before you tee off. Well, uh, I think Are, they're, that... they're probably past just teeing it up blind. Interesting. Okay. At this point, <laughs> at this stage in their career, the club they're playing off the tee might uh, be d- based on where the pin he is. He says, depending on where the pin is, will dictate whether you're hitting a five iron or a driver. This is it, this is groundbreaking wow. stuff, Zach. Okay, Zach not really helping us out. And actually, oddly enough, there have been no changes to Flowering Peach since 1996. Yeah. It is one of the more uh, intact... Uh, holes at Augusta National over the past 25 years. Great short par four. Uh, ooh, lowest scoring averages at number three at Flowering Peach. Ross Fisher at 3.65. Uh, the Big Aussie, Mark Leishman at 3.72. Yeah. And Jordan Spieth at 3.75. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Worst scoring averages on Flowering Peach. John Rollins at 4.57. Oh. Peter Jacobson at 4.45. And once again, we got our boy Mark McCumber at four point four two. The guy played there, but I mean, he, he, maybe it was just one time. Yeah, <laughs> guy's got some wads. <laughs> <He's got> some <laughs> What's this guy scoring after the Masters? Like eighty <laughs> two? <laughs> oh, incredible! Um, all right, number four, as you were saying, flower and crab apple. Yep. a lengthy par three at two hundred and forty yards for the twenty nineteen Masters. That um, front left pin is brutal. Yeah, the uh, the actual the secret to number four is actually coming from 2013 champion Adam Scott. All right. So uh, when Adam Scott was asked what the secret is to flowering crab apple, he said hitting a two or three iron in there, you don't have a lot of wiggle room. It's become more demanding over the years because it's getting so long. If there's any wind, you can't feel it on the tee box. Yeah. All right. So you got to be taking a look at the at the flag stick to kind of get an idea because you just don't get a sense of the wind from the tee box. And the ball gets 150 yards out, and that's when it starts getting killed by the wind. Yeah. So you got to take that all into consideration. Without joking, I've considered laying up, laying it up on flower and crab apple when it's really, really windy. Wow. Yeah. yeah it's, it's crazy. Like if I can make a four there, I can recover from that in the tournament. Uh, pretty that's interesting crazy. stuff. That's yeah. Crazy. Interesting. The all-time best scoring average at flower and crab apple is a like flat even, even par, par. three 3.0 by Ryan Palmer, Jim Gallagher Jr., and then Lee Westwood at 3.03. Yeah. Um, all-time worst. PGA champion Sean McKeel at three point seven five. Oh man, that uh, is that is Sean, is, uh, Sean if you're listening, we hope you're okay, buddy. Yeah, we, we hope you're okay, brother. Uh, that was a great finishing shot. Most recent change to flowering crab apple was two thousand and six when they moved the tees back thirty five yards. Just thirty five yards. Just a just a casual thirty five yards. That's nothing. That's incredible. All right, uh, number five, a four hundred and ninety five yard par four. By the name of Magnolia. Magnolia, yes. Uh, Adam Scott is going to provide us with another secret for, uh, for this one. Adam Scott says, the old fifth hole was already difficult. If you try to hit it into the wider part of the fairway with a three wood, you kind of have a blind second shot and maybe have like a five iron or something. Um, that green was kind of designed to receive a long club, uh, but the fairways haven't been running as much since 1947. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have to really hit a golf shot. Uh, to hold that green. You find guys in some interesting spots. I visited the bush- bushes over in the back. Demands good golf shots. No surprise there. 
Well, that was like going back to our, our buddy Kiz <laughs> when they were asking him, like, how do you like your chances in the majors this year? He's like, well, I heard they just lengthened five to like almost 500 yards now. He's like, I have no chance at Augusta. <laughs> uh, the guy's on form and he's openly admitting no chance. But 495 to that green, I mean, it's landing on a downslope. It's like. That is crazy. That's that's so many yards. It's absolutely crazy. Um, and that's the thing. 2018, they moved those tees back another 40 yards. So it was 450 mm-hmm. last, you know, the last couple of years, and it is now 500 yards. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, all-time best scoring averages. Two guys actually have a score, a lifetime scoring average under par. That would be Rio Ishikawa at 3.79 and first-round savant Charlie Hoffman at 3.95. And then let's that's see here. really good on that hole. Uh, worst scoring averages. Uh <laughs> Peter Lennard at four and a half. Yeah, Peter Lennard. And uh, Tiger Slayer Y.E. Yang <laughs> at 4.45. Not shocking. <laughs> Not shocking. Uh, great. Uh, the par three sixth, 180 yards. Uh, Juniper. 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 Uh, wow, Adam Scott again uh, telling us it's an interesting hole. It's so downhill, and then they always have two pins on the top right. It's like trying to land it on the hood of a car from 175 or 180. We just got a text from our buddy Tyler Tiedemann, and he wants yes. to know uh, when the podcast goes up. Oh, it is going to be published late tonight, so late Monday night. Late tonight, Tower. Go to bed. Late. <laughs> Get to bed, man. You can listen to this at work tomorrow. I mean, to be fair, this he is a golf. I mean, this guy was married at a prestigious golf club. I mean, I, golf I'm, club. I'm a huge golfer, yeah. and my my wife wouldn't even let me get married at a golf club. This guy, <laughs> this guy, this guy is he's crushing it. Um, he knows how lucky he is. Yeah. Uh, Best scoring average at Juniper, Jordan Spieth, 2.75. 2.75 on par threes. Quarter of a stroke under par over his lifetime. Pretty good. Dustin Johnson at 2.9, and poor Chris DeMarco, also at 2.9. It's really too bad that he was the guy that had to be on the other end of that 2005 oh. Tiger tournament because oh. Chris DeMarco deserved to win that golf he tournament. He did not give that away. He just had to take it from him. Man. That was tough. He kept hitting shot after shot, getting up and down in that playoff, I and mean, that was cool. Chris DeMarco was so goddamn yeah. good in that golf tournament. I still feel yeah. for him. Um, oddly enough, worst scoring average number six. Uh, brief Tiger Slayer, but not really a Tiger Slayer at all. Michael Campbell, 3.65. Hmm. Interesting That's a there. lot. <laughs> that is a big number. Um, number seven, 450-yard par four. It's got those beautiful, that bunkering. You see, I, I feel like this actually is probably one of the most recognizable uh, holes on the front nine just because it's got those three huge bunkers that kind of sift across the front. Mm-hmm. Um, number seven, obviously, uh, I mean, did you, did you want? Pompous. Pompous, exactly right. Uh, the most recent change to Pompous has been 2009 when they added 10 yards uh, to the front of the Masters tees. Um, that, but it didn't really change the length of the hole. They, they extended the tee box forward, so now there's just a little bit more variation from the Masters tee. Mm-hmm. Um and then in 2008, the year before that, they actually added six feet. Uh, they extended the green by six feet to the left-hand side. So those are the two most recent changes to Pampas. Uh, best scoring average at Pampas would be Peter Jacobson at 3.7 and Tom Kite at 3.78 and Ian Baker Finch at 3.82. Ian Baker Flinch? <laughs> it's always great. When I was re-watching the 1992 final round last week where yeah. Fred Couplers won, I forgot of just how much of a damn g ian baker finch looked like i mean with those oh, yeah. with those goggles that Glasses. he had on oh, yeah. with the visor and just the hard collar you know buttoned down to like the mid chat he really had it all going on he did oh yeah he really did uh 
worst scoring average. I, I thought it was kind of interesting. Is Gary Woodland at four point four seven? Yeah, that's that's not good at all. Um, Sergio, two thousand seventeen Masters champion Sergio, has his uh his his take uh, on number seven. He says, "quote It's massive now. It's very very important to hit a good drive." Thank you, Sergio. Wow, that is. Can really... we can we quote you on that? <laughs> <laughs> Daryl. Uh, let's see. Five hundred and seventy yard par five is number eight. Yellow Jasmine. Yellow Jasmine. Love this hole. Uh, Sergio's secret to Yellow Jasmine is that if you manage to hit a good drive, then there's a couple spots to aim at uh, that you can get to the green in two. But because it's a blind second shot, uh, it's it's not easy. Uh, you got just kind of got to trust it because you can't see where the ball is landing. Th- these are some of the worst, worst Like maybe secrets. just right of the trees? <laughs> uh, Jordan Spieth has the all-time best scoring average number eight of 4.4. That's impressive. Over a half stroke better than par. I gotta believe Phil has a good stroke average there. Yeah, uh, like uh, you know, just I, I hope he's not one of the higher stroke averages because it looks like he makes a lot of birdies and eagles. Yeah, uh, oddly enough, the uh, and again, actually, this is what I'm realizing right now. For all of these uh, best of and worst of, you know, yeah. averages, there is a minimum requirement of five Masters appearances. Oh, okay. Which actually is is pretty good. That's pretty yeah, sensitive. That's, um, Cumber played in five. Okay, all uh, right. Let's see here. Uh, the other guys who are seemingly are always good at number eight, and this is interesting. Uh, Ryu Ishikawa at four point four two, so right there on par with Spieth. And then at four point five three, there was a tie between DJ and Ricky Fowler. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Gary Woodland, oddly enough, does not play number eight very well with a scoring average of five point one one. That that's that's probably why the guy. Hasn't won there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, wow. The most recent change to Yellow Jasmine is 2002. Uh, the tees were moved back 15 to 20 yards and shifted to the golfer's right by 10 yards. Uh, it reshaped and nearly doubled the size of the fairway bunker. It's a lot, a lot of changes for what one single, uh, one single year. And then finally, they wrap up the front nine, the 460-yard par four, which, again, another. Phenomenal name in a list of Carol, phenomenal. Are, are you talking about Carolina Cherry? I, I, I am, in fact, referring <laughs> to Carolina Cherry. That is absolutely right. It's a pretty good name. Uh, <laughs> uh, the most recent changes made to Carolina Cherry was in 2008 when the right hole location softened on the first and middle plateau. And also in 2002, they moved the tee back 30 yards. <laughs> uh, there's, there's, That's always the one where you're like, all right, is he going to put this off the green? Or is he going to spin this back off the front of the green down the middle of the fairway? Uh, that's a fun approach shot to yeah. watch. And that Sunday pin that they have like kind of tucked left up yeah. against that bunker, yeah. oh, man, yeah. that is brutal. I, I honestly, there's a lot of really tricky pin locations out at Augusta on Sundays, but yeah. that one that's tucked left on number nine seems like it's, one of the trickiest ones they have. Yeah. To have that thing swooping down and, you know, mm. dog leg left, and then on top Those of guys that, that are like uh, oh, on the man. same tier, but they're like pin high right. Like yeah. how much break they have to Dude, play. Man, that is yeah, that's that that's is good. a that's scary, good scary putt there. Um, three guys with the best scoring averages on Carolina Cherry: Steve Jones, Dan Forsman, and Jason Day. Uh, Interesting. Three, yeah, three point seven to three point eight. Uh, guy with the worst scoring average: powerful Michael Campbell at four point four five. Boys, rough numbers here. All right, Michael Campbell. Now. Granted, that was actually really good. I'm actually kind of fascinated to see who's got the best or scoring averages on Amen Corner mm-hmm. and kind of see what some of these guys say. Obviously, number 10, uh, the only... Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, Camellia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was better than I could have ever dreamed of. Uh, the only Alistair McKenzie bunker remaining on this golf course, the fairway bunker at number 10, 
If you go, if you actually look at it and you get the camera angle of the guys from the fairway looking at the green, it's the only you know aside from the shape of the bunker, yeah. you know, being the the giveaway that it's still the Alistair McKenzie bunker. What's so fascinating is if you keep it on the left side of that fairway and you're short, you know, obviously short of the fairway bunker. The deception there is incredible because that fairway bunker blends straight into the greenside bunker right. Yeah. It looks like one bunker. Yeah. So it completely just throws your depth perception, just throws it into the dogwoods. Uh, that hole like you just, you just, you, it looks so like fun to watch. I, man. I, every time I watch Bubba in the playoff, and I'm like, there's no way he can hook a wedge this much. And then even the hook spin on the green. I still cannot believe up he put the that. hill. That was one of the craziest shots I think I've ever seen. Dude. Like between that and Phil's on thirteen. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I mean, what is the crazier? Sh- like what is the? Again, they're two of probably the five most impressive golf shots I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And so it's like I something about lefties at Augusta, man. Like I, whichever one you think is better is is subjective. I think they're both right. But yeah. is there, does one stand out to you more than the other as being like the better, more iconic shot? Bubba just it was like all he had, right? I mean, I guess it, it almost has to be like Bubba because Phil did a playoff. Phil, Phil could have made birdie five different ways. Yeah, you know, people forget that Phil yoinked that putt. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't make the putt. Yeah. Um, but I do like what Phil said. He's like, so the thing was, is with me being left-handed, if I was going to pull that shot where the creek got a little further to carry, my pull as a being left-handed is going to go a little further. So effectively, my landing area was much wider than it looked like. And if I was going to miss left, that's less hazard to carry. So it wasn't that much of, you know, a a, a dangerous shot. Um, but yeah, there's a, other players who was playing with him that day. Maybe like, might have been Ernie or someone. Um, I forget, but they're like, yeah, only Phil would probably be the guy that would decide to actually try and hit that shot in yeah. that situation. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I think it's like I. Me personally, I think number ten might be my favorite hole to watch these guys play on the entire golf course. I mean, if if number ten was yeah. at like seventeen no, or eighteen, it 11, probably eleven's right there too, just because the tee shot and then the water. And, yeah, and you, no one hits it in that water. Yeah, like hardly but, anyone but, hits but it in that again, water because it's terrifying, man. They give you they give you a they bailout. give you such a huge bailout they on the give right you a side. Bailout, but then it's like, I wouldn't want that chip shot. You know what I mean? Like, no I'll bet way. half those guys are like to their caddy like. We're playing this as a par five. Let's yeah. Par. Like, let's Just go. help me get up and down from let's 20 yards off the right, right side. Let's hit a little pitch to like 20 feet right of the flag and let's two putt this puppy and get to number 12. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's see. Camellia. Excuse me. Uh, best scoring average at Camellia, number 10. Hideki Matsuyama at 3.92. Okay. Just Hideki. a hair right. under par. Hideki's on my he's on my list where I didn't he's not he's not one of my no chance to win players. Okay, good. By the way, we are hitting the no chance okay, list good. after after this with the uh with the on course concessions. Um the next two guys, two big names, both just barely under par, Jordan Spieth and Curtis Strange. Okay. And then the all time worst scoring average. You know what we need to do? Like it obviously Curtis won back to back US Opens, but like uh-huh. how did he ever do at Augusta? It actually, has a really good chance. As as he I'm never, going through this, he, I, like I will never, look it up. Uh, yeah. I will look it up first as well to kind of see what yeah. his very best uh, best Masters finish is. Because um, yeah, he's like one of those guys who like you know obviously won the two opens, but incredible. You never see him in any of the old highlights. Mm-mm. As far as being there, you know what I mean. His uh, his best finish at the Masters was a tied for second in 1985. Okay. 
So the 1985 Masters, uh, obviously won by Bernard Longer. Yeah. So he tied for second with, uh, let's see here. Who did he end up actually finishing? Oh, in a three-way tie with Raymond Floyd and Seve Ballesteros. Perfect. Two shots behind winner Bernard Longer. Yeah, Very and all those ones, yeah. 80, well, obviously, 86 is showing more than 85. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I just never really that's a, dude, that, that. That's a hell of a leaderboard at the end yeah, of Sunday, man. Yeah, that's pretty good. Now, my, minus six won that by Longer, and then those three guys tied at minus four. Two okay. shots back. All right. Uh, guys who are the absolute worst at number 10, at the worst at Camellia, uh, Billy Mayfair, 4.56. Michael Campbell, 4.55. Dude, and, Michael Campbell hates Augusta. And Masters champion Charles Schwartzel at 4.53. That's what, a lot. Is he is he the worst Masters winner of all time? Schwartzel? No. Yeah. No. Danny Willett worse? Yeah. Patrick Reed worse? Uh, oh, Patrick Reed's much more accomplished than Danny Willett. Yeah. Uh, no, Danny Willett. Um, who else comes to mind? Uh, I hate to do it, but I mean Mike Weir. He was. I. I yeah, I hate to. Everybody do it to, liked Mike Weir, but he wasn't. Hate was to do it to international guys. Yeah. Like, Trevor Immelman was decent, but Tre- then he's he's really fallen off. Trevor he, Immelman would probably have been my answer. Obviously, he's in the field, but he's not. I mean, he's doing, like for 21st century, like he's you doing know, some champions. commentating. Um, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, let's see here. The most recent change made to Camellia, 2011, the fairway landing zone was sand capped, which meant it was uh, done to improve growing and playing conditions. I don't know if I, we would have ever known that. that, but anyway, that is Water almost issues. a decade ago. Yeah. Uh, number 11. Or uh, as most normal people refer to it, that'd be White Dogwood. That would exactly that would be White Dogwood. That's, that's exactly right. Uh, the most recent change they have made to White Dogwood was in 2008, when several trees were removed from the right side of the fairway, and then they widened the fairway as well. Actually, I kind of I'm, I do kind of remember when there were some trees in the fairway on the right side of 11. That was gnarly. Yeah. Actually, in hindsight, it's like, wow, that's kind of fucked up. A lot of high scores. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, the one place you can actually go to get a good angle on the pin? Yeah, that's not available. Yeah, there's footage of, like, Tiger playing there. I don't know if it was the 97 year or um, a couple years after that in, like, 2000. But uh, he just hits it way right. But he hit it so far. He's, like, looking left, looking left. Look, and they're like, oh, it covered everything. He had, like, flip wedging. How's that I even possible? Was, but he just, that's when he was just hitting it. That Ridiculous. is so crazy. Uh, for White Dogwood, there's actually three guys that have a career scoring average under par on 11. This blows my mind. Which is nuts. Like, I would have guessed, like, the all-time low would have been, like, four even. Yeah. Right? Uh, Scott McCarron. Larry Mize. <laughs> Not Larry. I feel like Larry Mize over the last 25 years has really yeah. shot all of, his, yeah. all of his career best average. Although, <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't seen Larry Mize on any of the worst averages yet. Yeah. Pretty was impressive. It a couple years ago, he made the cut. Was it last year or two years ago? I think it was two years ago. Yeah, it's impressive. You're uh, old. You're an old man, Larry. But yeah, three guys career averages under par: Scott McCarron, Tom Kite, and Monty. Oh, Monty. the Scotsman. Uh, War scoring averages mentioned. Whoo! A gentleman by the name of Thung Chai Jidi. Thung Chai Jidi. Four point eight. That's a lot. That is a lot of strokes. Uh, Peter Le- uh, Leonard at 4.7, and Rich Beam at 4.69. Beamer. Wow. White Dogwood, Beamer. not easy for the guys. Uh, ooh, okay. The most iconic par three in all of golf. Mm-hmm. At 155 yards, uh, most of us say 12, but the people that really know what's up. It's not Silver Bell. It's Golden Bell. It is Golden Bell. Yep. 
It has not undergone any changes over the last 30 years, nor should it. Ever. Uh, it is terrifying enough, as is. Um, would you like to know what Bubba's secret is to playing number 12? Oh, this ought to be good. <laughs> Quote, hopefully there's no wind. Uh, that wind, they did studies on it, and it's called the eddy effect, uh, where the wind speeds up because of the trees and everything. If you get a gust, it actually doubles the speed. Uh, but you just don't know it. Uh, uh, that's why you see balls come up short, and you're like, did that guy really just miss club by two clubs on 150-yard par three? Yeah. End quote. Um, yeah, I mean, is there a more terrifying 150-yard par three in all of professional golf? Probably not. I literally saw a ma- Masters champion die on national TV there just a couple of years ago. I, I literally saw Jordan Spieth get shot by a 44 in his in that his was, balls like that was, it that was hard to watch i, th- I think I, take I, it easy on the the, the balls thing I, i'm, I'm so, so sorry so yeah i'm sorry <laughs> i i saw a screenshot i i shared this with my buddy chris when he uh when i was on his podcast last week somebody took a screenshot of the leaderboard when jordan spieth was through 11 holes in 2016 at minus seven and danny willett's at minus two yeah and like Jordan Speed lost his golf tournament by several strokes. Yeah. It's like, wow. Like you like I've I kind of tried to block it out of my memory, but man, it is rough. Danny Willett. M M M Wow. Um Oddly um, enough, there are actually a couple of guys that have career scoring averages under par at Golden Bell. Uh that would be Kirk Triplett, Jimmy Walker, and Ryan Moore. Cool. Uh but top of this, Peter Lennard, three point nine. Career average at Golden Bell. The next worst would be powerful Kevin Na at 3.59. Maybe Lawrence playing as a part four. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. All right. Probably the most iconic par five in all the professional golf. Uh, Those birds are real. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whatever these guys say, it is a lie. On 13, (laughs) the birds have to be real. There's no way they could pump in birds chirping on 13. Oh, man. There's no way they would do that to Azalea. They're, they're, yeah, exactly. Azalea does not have fake birds. That, that is those just, are real birds. Those guys trying to tell us they're fake, they Don't are just trying read. to ruin our fun. Um, now, here's the thing. The guys with the best scoring averages on Azalea, it's actually three big names. and they're, they're na- Two of the three names are exactly the ones you would expect, and it's actually, in fact, the two guys that we were just talking about in terms of hitting those spectacular golf shots we've ever seen at this place. Yeah, Phil. Phil has a lifetime scoring average at Azalea of 4.24. I was going to say, it had to be close to birdie. Dude, and then Bubba is at 4.29. Yeah. And then Jordan Spieth rounds out the top three at 4.3 exactly. Yeah. That no, is that's... incredible. Yeah, you just, and if you think about it, and you're like, all right, yeah, I've seen that guy make birdie almost every time. Yeah. Hole. Yeah. I mean, especially. the occasional eagle. Dude, the way that Bubba moves that ball right to left with that yeah, left-hand swing, like, perfect. it's just, it perfectly suited to his golf swing. Um Let's see here. In 2010, uh, they added seven yards to the front of the Masters tees. They have not extended it yet, but they have purchased the land from Augusta Country Club yeah, yep. to move the tees back. It's not going to be in effect this year, but it will be over the next couple years. I don't think years. they should touch it. I don't think they should either. And, and They it, might be just putting more room so there could be like an actual bird sanctuary there. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would be Or amazing. bigger speakers. <laughs> what speakers are you talking about, dude? <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, oh. Do you want to hear 2018 Masters champion Patrick Reed's secret to number 13? Oh, I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> this is maybe the greatest one out of all of them. Are you ready? 
you can't hit it left in the water. (laughs) Spoken by a guy whose wife just called David Ledbetter to fix your golf swing. Uh, Incredible. Okay, let's go on to number 14. Um, One of the probably lesser recognized holes on the back nine. That and 17 are probably the two that... A lot of complaints about Chinese furs green. (laughs) Chinese fur, strong. A strong contender for best name at Augusta. Really strong name. Uh, In 2002, they actually moved these tees back 35 yards, so it actually used to be just a 400-yard par four. Yeah, I got Uh, it at 440. Yeah, now now, now it plays out at 440. Um, Oddly enough, Patrick Reed, secret to number 14. This is his quote. Hit the fairway and hit the green. <laughs> I'm actually surprised he didn't go there. That that would have been. I thought that's what he. That would have been on, better than what he Azalea. gave us at Azalea. Uh, out of that 13, 14, 15 stretch, that's the one you have to play from the fairway, because of how long and sloping the green is. That's. Uh, I feel like I never want to hear Patrick Reed's take on. It's an interesting take. Yeah. <laughs> that is terrible. Uh, best scoring averages. Uh, for Chinese fur, Russell Henley, Lanny Watkins, and Charlie Hoffman, all at three and three quarters or below. Pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, worst guys, uh, John Rollins at four and a half, and then Graham McDowell at 4.46. GMAC. Interesting. Um, all right. Now we get to one of the other great par fives on the back nine at Augusta National. We're not talking about Firethorn. We are talking about Firethorn. Exactly right. Uh, the latest change they made to Firethorn was 2009, where they had uh, eight to nine yards added to the front of the Masters tees. No change in yardage, just giving them the ability to, to mix it up a little bit more. Um, what do you think the best scoring average is on 15? Uh, I'm going to guess it's 4.55, somewhere in there. 4.2. 4.2? Peter Lennard. <laughs> How did that guy not win this tournament? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that guy uh, hit it nowhere. What? Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, it, it, it's not exceptionally long, but yeah, 4.2. That is incredible. That is, wow, he really Whoa. likes that hole. Yeah, and then you got uh, Nick Watney at 4.21. What? And Russell Henley at 4.33. Those are the best. What? And then, oddly enough, the big Aussie, Mark Leishman, a career worst 5.22. Uh, yeah, I've seen him skank some wedges on that Ooh, hole. His yeah. wedge action at times is a little questionable. Uh, in this article that I'm referencing uh, for this from ESPN.com, they've again sought out Patrick Reed's secret to number 15. I'm just not going to read it. We're, we, we, we're no longer acknowledging Patrick Reed's secrets to any that. of these. Um, number 16, the site of the greatest chip shot in the history of professional golf when Tiger Woods put a dagger through Christian Marco's mar- heart. From a marketing standpoint. Man, oh man. Uh, now, could you could you let all the, the uh, boys and girls up? Red Bud. Red Bud has not undergone any changes in nor, the last 30 nor years. Nor should it ever. Nor should it. Um, all-time best scoring average on Red Bud. Well, who's had a bunch of aces there? Well, it's funny because I know Patty Harrington's had one or yeah. two. And a lot of aces, especially on that Sunday pin. Graham McDowell. Oh, the slinger. 2.75. Not surprising. And then Jordan Spieth at 2.8. Yeah. Uh, Michael Campbell at yeah. 3.45. And then I'm really glad we got to see his name on the list somewhere. The big dog himself, John Daly, at 3.4. Dude, Michael Campbell's scoring average at Augusta has to be through the roof. <laughs> it cannot be great. The guy never made a cut, guaranteed. Oh, man. Uh, the gentleman who they sought out to uh, get his secret to number 16, Charles Schwartzel. Do, would, okay. would, would you like to hear what he has to say? Yeah. 
Uh, normally, the Sunday flags are very accessible to make birdies. You have 20 to 30 feet right of the flag, which is quite a large area, and it feeds directly to the hole. That's, yep. You get a little conf- You get a lot of confidence uh, sitting on the tee at number 16. It's a good opportunity to make a birdie and probably the very best opportunity you get to make birdie on the back nine other than 15. Yeah. Yeah, it seems, seems about right. 13 seems like a pretty good opportunity to make birdie. Yeah. Charles. Yeah. I, I, damn, Charles. How did he omit Azalea? <laughs> Now, what do, what do you think about number 17? 17 is just kind of <laughs> – it is what it is. It's like you've seen guys halt their momentum there, mm-hmm. but then you've seen guys, like, keep their momentum there. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, speaking of Nicholas in 86, I think he, I think he might have won that tournament. Oh, yeah. That was a pretty big putt. On, that, that was uh, a big putt. On 17. That Sunday pin is back there on, like, a little small mm-hmm. tier. Um, to me, that always looks like the most intimidating and impossible pin location. It seems like people struggle location. with that tee shot for some reason. I think the trees going to be a little bit quicker on the left, um, but it seems like they should just line it up on the left side of the tee box and hit just hit like a, just aim at the right tree line, just hit like a going draw. It's not like they're going to hit a fifty yard hook, right? Um, but yeah, it seems like people struggle with that tee shot for for some reason. Um, you always see some, you always see some some guys in some kind of weird areas for their second shot. Uh-huh. Well, it's strange because the Eisenhower tree is not there anymore. No, it's gone. You know, so like here you we, go. That was uh, that was one factor of seventeen that always made it a little trickier because that left side of the fairway just was kind of jail. And yeah. uh, since the tree named after the thirty fourth president of the United States is no longer there, um, you know it, it, it seems much more open. And yet, it doesn't seem like the scoring averages have gone down at all yeah. uh, since that thing went down. Um, well, first of all, what, what is the proper name for for seventeen? Oh, uh, whole number seventeen is Nandina. Oh, Nandina. Yes. Um, Ricky Fowler actually has the all-time best scoring average at Nandina at 3.83. That's pretty good. Uh, McElroy, 3.89. 3.83. It's like my GPA. <laughs> uh, all-time worst? Carl Patterson, Lucas Glover, and Patrick Reed. Surprising Patrick is bad there. Yeah. This is a little interesting. Uh, and the Eisenhower tree, by the way, for everybody, has been gone since 2014. Has Patrick already played in five majors? I guess so. I guess he's or played five, yeah. five, five masters. Yeah. I should say it, it, it appears so. I guess so. Yeah. Uh huh. And uh, and the tees at Nandina were moved back 15 yards in 2006. So it did used to be just a mere 425. Yeah. Where it is now 440. All right. The finisher, number 18, 465 yards. It goes by the name of Holly. Holly. Um, which again, this is crazy. In 2002. That was the last time there were any changes made to this hole. The tees were moved back. How many yards? If you had to guess. In 2002? Yes. Uh, it was something, I want to say like 55 yards. Yes. 55 to 60 yards. Yeah. And moved to the golfer's right to make the dog leg and the shoot yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, because yeah, I remember like in Ooh. early coverage, those guys could almost like send it high and right and hit a draw. You can't hit a draw there anymore. No. You no, can, a draw is no can, longer on the table. You can hit a pole hook you, into the trees and have like 300 yards in, like Jordan Spieth did. Uh, you can, it's just not the play. Yeah. Uh, was, uh, if you give me a couple balls, I can go out there and hit a pole hook in those trees real quick. That was really tough yeah. to watch. Yes, that, we uh, talked about that. That was like watching a train wreck. Uh, let's see here. Um, Charles Schwartzel asked about what, what he thinks about 18. He says... Uh, if you can just fire a driver off those bunkers, it leaves you with an 8-iron or 9-iron in. And with that Sunday flag, it's actually the easiest one they see on that hole all week. Yep. Um, so just hit that good drive, leave yourself a short iron in, bang the 15-footer, be done with it. Uh, be done with it. 
Sounds pretty easy to me. It's just that easy. Um, that was quite a nice. It's just, t- it's just that easy, Jordan. That, w- that was a nice little tour of Augusta National. Absolutely. Um, like we just walked the entire course. Yeah, I'm. I am ready to rock now. Wa- speak of walking the course. Yeah. If you are going to find yourself as a patron one day at Augusta National Golf Club, what are the? I- I'm not going to limit it to one. I'm parking myself behind 16T so I can see the shots coming into 15, them teeing off on 16, and putting. On 16. Okay. And That's wh- where I'm parking it. And what kind of refreshments Other and concessions place? are you enjoying whilst sitting behind the 15th green and 16th tee? I'm definitely getting one of those $3 barbecue sandwiches. Dude, those $3 barbecue sandwiches. That looks I, like... Barbecue sandwich for $3? Yeah. <laughs> looks uh, like the Masters Club is two fifty. I'd probably mix one of those in too. <laughs> um, another good spot would probably be behind the tee on 11. Uh-huh. Um, pardon me, behind the tee on 12. Watching the shots coming in 11 and then watching the tee shots on 12. 100%. Um... And then you also get to watch them tee off on 13. On 13, I know. Is, That's probably, yeah, I, I, I fucked up. Is that like one of the most spectacular like scenes in golf where like when you're watching this tournament on Sunday and you just see it almost looks like you're in like old Yankee Stadium with how steep that like upper deck was and it's just like a little amphitheater. D- yeah. Dude, it's just humans and every square inch of space is occupied by a human. And you just, it's a row of like 75, 80 people deep in terms of row just stacked up behind that 12 deep. That is the footage such of an incredible the footage of scene. When camera behind um, 12 11. Green. Or behind, behind 11. 11 okay. When you see a guy make a putt and then you see the, the guys behind you know, 12 T go nuts too. And then the standing ovation. They get the walk up. from 11 green to 12 T. That gives me the bumps in the variety of yeah. goose. So good, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I I would happily be a patron at either location. Oh yeah. Uh, but I think if you force me to pick one of the two, I mean, how could you not be the Amen Corner? Yeah, yeah. I fucked up. I the one A and one B for me. I uh, think to be fair though, behind fifteen, like watching those guys hit those second Sorry, shots. Sorry, Red Bud. I don't know hitting those second shots into fifteen would be fascinating. Yeah. I I, I it is kind of a one A one B situation for me as well. Yep. All right. Let's see here. Uh, is, did you want to touch at all anymore on any of these concessions or uh, any of these refreshments? I think we covered the main points. If you have a list there, read them off. I mean, I all I know is that they basically have pimento, so affordable pimento cheese sandwiches, barbecue sandwiches, club sandwiches, none priced more than three dollars. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty incredible. I, I think beers are like two bucks, right? Or no, beers are maybe beers a little are like more four, four or five bucks. bucks or something. I mean, it's the cheapest beer. Better than five. fifteen. Uh, it's man, I really wish I could remember when I did a Masters po- uh, preview podcast with uh, my old co-host Casey Edmondson, who bailed on us tonight. Hey, good seeing you, Casey. <laughs> he uh, he had a line when we were talking about these Masters refreshments where he's like, "It's got to be awesome to literally be so wealthy that you just don't care about money anymore." Yeah. <laughs> where actually, it's kind of entertaining. To not charge money because you just have so much of it. Yeah. And, you know, I, again, I'm paraphrasing Casey here, but uh, it was yeah. I mean, the people who run and belong to Augusta, they they're not trying to make money off refreshments. They no, and, they've got it. They they've got the right equation. They they've got. I mean, they, the spectating experience at Augusta, from what I understand, is uh, second to none. Yeah. And so I'll tell you what. I always I apply for Masters tickets every single year. Just My as cousin a, as was a there fan. today. First of all, jealous of your cousin. Yeah. Uh, I apply every year just as a spectator. Uh, I enter the raffle. I'm 0 for 3 the last three years. Maybe this is the year that I finally sent an application as a media member. If I do so, and we get media credentials. Yeah, well, as yeah. a now official co-host of the Golf Guide podcast. Send it. 
Are we going? Absolutely. Okay, good. That's what I like to hear. Pull out all the stops. All right. My buddy Adam Zuer, uh, another fellow Chico State Wildcat, texted me yesterday. He goes, hey, if you could get one, like, article of merchandise from Augusta, what would it be? And I'm like, I know where you're going. So I'm like, fuck you, you're going, huh? He's like, yeah, we're going Wednesday. We're playing Palmetto Club on Thursday and Atlanta Athletic Club on Friday. And I'm just like, fuck you. And I'm like, uh, I'm like a navy blue hat. Yeah, <laughs> actually, uh, to Thanks. answer your question, to be a navy yeah. blue hat. Yeah, uh, good, good talk, Sarge. Best piece of master swag that I would want, but it's not available at Augusta National. I really want a green jacket T-shirt. Yeah, like a tuxedo tee, but with a green jacket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's, that would be there's right. There's some good. Th- there's some good tees going around. Yeah, it'd, yeah. Be, it'd be pretty spectacular. Um, okay, let's get in. Last thing before we put a wrap on this mega preview podcast. Yeah. Um, we're going to be going over odds for some of the guys, some of the wagers that we like. Do you want to go oh, th- real quick? Uh, little, sh- We should give a shout out to the now passed away Dan Jenkins. Yes. Was an absolute staple in the media center. Dan Jenkins not eating 14 pieces of bacon <laughs> on the porch of the Augusta National Clubhouse uh, will forever be missed. So many good stories. I was reading an article... And there's literally a picture of Dan Jenkins like giving Arnold Palmer a swing tip. <laughs> How great is that? <laughs> oh my gosh, he it's, was such a great dude. It, well, it's funny because like I obviously wasn't alive for a large portion of you know Dan Jenkins. Uh, every, my dad growing up, Dan Jenkins, Dan Jenkins, Dan Jenkins. I mean, dude, he's basically you know he was kind of golf's Hunter S. Thompson. And the thing is, they were friends. They they were actually like you know buddies. He was he was friends with. All those guys. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, Dan Jenkins was the hard-living, hard-drinking golf writer that basically told you like it was unfiltered that I wish we kind of still had today. Yeah. I mean, there, there's some guys that kind of float oh, there's that some, line. Yeah, there's some guys that toe the line for sure. Uh, but he is, I mean, he is the OG. He, he yeah. is the original. Um, and it will be, I, I wonder Absolute if Augusta, treasure. do you think Augusta or the Masters will do anything? Uh they Even might. on the broadcast, maybe at least... Uh, you know, oh, I know on the memory. broadcast they will. Okay. okay. He'll be mentioned multiple times on Good. the broadcast, for Good. sure. I certainly hope so. Dan Jenkins, rest in peace, my friend. Yep. Uh, well, we're not friends. You didn't yep. know me, but rest in peace, sir. Um, before we go into odds, uh, do you want to do your no-chance list while we're doing yeah, odds, or do we want to jump into let's, that now? Let's get that over with. Okay, so before we go into odds, uh, Mr. Boat here has put together a list of guys who have... Zero chance. Zero chance. No chance of this thing. And I'm actually looking at this sheet of paper that you've got here in, in preparation for this podcast. Yep. It is, it's kind of a lengthy list. Oh yeah. There, oh, yeah. There, there's a lot of guys that. Oh yeah. Do not have a shot here this weekend. Yeah. So uh, what, what you got? Share, share what you got here with us. Connor Bling, the amateur runner up at the USAM. Zero chance. <laughs> Angel Cabrera. Nope. Stewart Sink. Nope. Freddie, you're gonna make the cut. That's for sure. But nope. Uh, Emiliano Grillo. Nope. Harding, the South African. Nope. Hovland, uh, the USAM champ, uh, that's a negative. Immelman, you're going to probably finish last. Uh, Kanaya, the amateur from Japan, negative. Uh, Martin Keimer, you have been in awful form. Uh, <laughs> Michael Kim, you're a golden bear. I like your golf swing, but zero chance. Kisner, self-admittedly, zero chance. Uh, Siwoo Kim, uh, just don't hit it far enough. Uh, is it uh, Toshi Kadaira? It doesn't matter. It is doesn't matter. Uh, zero chance. Uh, Andrew Landry, you hit it nowhere. Bernhard Longer, zero chance. Hao Tong Lee, that'd be a negative. Adam Long, you've already won this year. Uh, Sandy Lyle, nope. Larry Mize, I'd like to see you make the cut. Kevin Nanana, nope. 
Kevin O'Connell, uh, U.S. Mid-Am champ, that would be a negative. Ola Thobble, you haven't done anything. Um, Alvaro Ortiz, the Latino America amateur champ, uh, that's a negative. Jovan Rebula uh, won that, the – Ernie L's nephew. Ernie L's nephew won the uh, British amateur uh, championship. Charles Schwartzel, nope. VJ, nope. Mike Weir, uh, I take that back. Mike Weir is going to shoot the highest score. Uh, <laughs> Ian Woosnam, the wee Welshman, that would be a negative. Um, Imahara? Uh, uh, probably a Japan tour guy. Uh, I, this guy was actually on the bubble for me. He's just been in such bad form. If he was in better form, I'd like have him as a contender. But Pat and Kinsire, you've been playing horribly. You sir have zero chance of winning. No chance. No chance. NC, no chance. That is quite literally my favorite segment that we have ever done on this podcast. So I've got that. <laughs> Right there, I just eliminated. I just shaved off the top thirty-one people, so that takes us from eighty-seven to what fifty-six. Is my math good there? Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. That's per- all, all, math. You're almost at the cut line at that point. Yeah, yeah, we're almost to fifteen ties. God, it's incredible. Yep. <laughs> and then my borderline guys, <laughs> like Up Bonrot, Beer Guard, Cabrera Bello, Cantlay, Fitzpatrick. Terrell Hatton, I hope you missed the cut because I just don't like you. Uh, <laughs> Zach Johnson, like you might play really well and make the cut. Uh, Alex think, Noren. Do you think Zach Johnson actually has a chance? He might make the cut. Yeah, I'm pretty through. I, th- I think he's won there. Okay. Um, Alex Noren, I hope you aren't televised at all. It's just a terrible golf swing. Um, I've got like Kevin Tway and Matthew Wallace and Aaron Wise on my borderline. Mm-hmm. And then we can go over the favorites and stuff. Sure. Yeah. All right. So if we're going to wagers, the, now all of the uh, the odds that I'm about to reference to all of you guys, these are courtesy of Bovada, and this is as of Monday night of Masters Week. Yeah. So we've already talked about Rory a little bit here. Uh, of the other favorites, the guys who have odds better than twenty to one, uh, which would be Dustin Johnson at plus one thousand, Justin Rose at plus twelve hundred, Tiger Woods at plus fourteen hundred, John Rahm at plus sixteen hundred. Jordan Spieth at plus 1,800, JT at plus 1,800, and Ricky at plus 1,800. Which of those guys do you like the most or in terms of to win? Uh, win the tournament? Yes. Yeah, Rory. It's Rory. 7-1? Sure. Yeah. Aside from Rory, it's 7-1. So the guys that are between 10 and 18-1, to one, which um, of those guys do you like? Did you say Casey? Uh, Paul Casey, I did not have. Paul Casey, according to Bavada. Uh, his odds of winning this golf tournament, oh my word, where is Paul Casey? How he's at plus 2,500. Okay, all right, yeah, so he's close. Um, Molinari you listed? Uh, I did not. So Molinari is plus 2,200. So basically, okay. a lot of these pools I'm seeing are breaking what, this thing in tiers. What's Rose, plus 1,200? Plus 1,200. Yeah, that's, that's, that's greasy. That's the one that I'm going for, too. That's greasy. Mm-hmm. Hanma! What's, what's DJ's deal? I, I, I'm... It's shocking how little I'm hearing Paulina about DJ. Knows. I don't even think Paulina knows. Um, he's just... It's like the hot water's broke, dude. Yeah, yeah what is know? that? He's, I don't know. He's hes looked really good already in 2019. And we're like, oh, what has he done? And he's like still like eighth in FedEx Cup. Yeah, process. right. <laughs> I, mean, <he's> like, <laughs> I mean, if you just watch any of that tournament that he just fleeced the field of Mexico, you got to think like, yeah. this guy has to be a fa- like the favorite. Um, and he, he's at what? 14? Uh, plus one thousand. Plus Sec- one thousand. Second yeah, best odds in the entire field behind Rory. That's yeah. I mean, that's ten dollars get you a hundred. Seems pretty good to me. Yeah, that seems like a safe bet. Yeah. Um, that second tier. All right, guys who are not or who are at you know 
in between 20 and 40 to 1. Um, you got Frankie Molinari, Brooks Kepka, Paul Casey, Tommy Fleetwood, Bryson, Bubba, Matsuyama, Adam Scott. Um, actually, Adam Scott's at 40 to 1. So between Hideki, you know, but Bubba, Bryson, Brooks, Paul Casey, Fleetwood, Molinari, any of those guys stick out to you as uh, someone you'd want to allocate some capital for? Um, Adam Scott's been in decent form. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's played there 18 times now. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with Rory. You know he's going to hit it good. If he has a good putting week and can avoid the three putts, I think he'll be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, uh, granted, DeChambeau, well, I don't know. Last week. enough in my experience. This is, he's, he's only played there three times. He's only played a handful of times. He does not have a top 10 finish? No, best finish is 21st. 21st. Um, last week, I put 10 bucks on Frankie Molinari at plus 2,800. He's down to plus 2,200 now. Um, even at 22 to 1, is is throwing 10 bucks on the oh, Italian yeah. Stallion well worth it? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think he's... I mean, granted, he has the best odds out of those guys in second, yeah. t- in second tier, but... He is one of the few guys that I feel like is playing great golf going into this thing. I, oh, yeah. I, I I would not be surprised at hey, all. Do you have any more beer in your fridge? Uh, I certainly do. Okay, I've got a couple of Mirror Lights there sitting in the fair, so right you would grab that. Um, Frankie Molinari at plus 2,200. I love. I, the thing is, I want Tommy Fleetwood to win so badly. I love Tommy Fleetwood. I, I stand for Tommy Fleetwood every time we record one of these goddamn podcasts. He has not come through yet. I don't expect him to win. But if you just want to have a wager that is just fun, that just a guy who's likable that you want to root for, Tommy Fleetwood at plus twenty five hundred, you could do much worse. Uh, and then that same thing, even though he hasn't played great in this tournament historically, admittedly, like I wouldn't be that surprised if Bryson finishes in the top five and, may, and maybe wins. I mean, I wouldn't. Miller Lite. What's up, Pat Jordan? <laughs> I love Miller Lite, by the way. Um, yeah, I mean Bryson. It's obviously not impossible for him to win. At plus thirty three hundred, they're obviously telling you know you you know thirty three to one. Yeah. Um, I I actually think there's a chance that Bryson could could win this thing. Yeah. Am I, am I crazy? No, you're not. Okay. You're not crazy at all. No, he's. I mean, how many tournaments do you win in life? No, the, and, the guy wins golf tournaments. Right. And and so, so here's the crazy thing is that like basically once you get past the guys at forty to one, so at forty to one, you know, you have Adam Scott, Louis Eustazen, Phil, Tony Finau. Uh, Xander Schaffel, and then you get like Matt Kuchar plus. I, I got to uh, get you there. It's Schaffle. Is it Schaffle? It's Schaffle. Okay, so Xander Schaffle. The San yeah, Schaffle. How does a guy from San Diego have a nasty last name like Schaffle? He's got a weird background. Uh, he started in like Hawaii. He he bounced around a lot, but it's uh, yeah. It's what is he? Well, he's obviously American, but uh, he spent time somewhere else too. Interesting. Yeah. Um. So basically, between you know Adam Scott at plus four thousand. Ustazen, Phil, Tony Finau, Chauflet. Ustazen. Matt Kuchar, Leishman, Patrick Reed, and then Sergio. And then after that, everybody beyond that is at 60 to 1 or worse. Yeah. I Now, granted, we've watched enough golf in our lives to know that somebody further down there could absolutely win this golf tournament. But yeah. I feel like there is a 90% chance that the winner of this thing is coming from one of those guys that we've already talked about. There's a ninety percent chance the winner of this golf tournament has odds of fifty to one or better. I, I I don't really look at anybody lower on that list with longer odds than Sergio Garcia and think there's a good chance they're going to win this golf tournament. 
Is there anybody that you see with odds longer than 50 to 1 that you think has a very legitimate What's Poulter? Chance? Ian Poulter, according to Bavada, as I look right now, is plus 8,000. 80 to 1. Oh, God. That's that's the easiest $10 you've ever spent in your life. <laughs> so you actually like putting 10 bucks on Ian Poulter at plus oh. 8. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, that's the thing. Like, I feel like because this golf tournament... Augusta, granted, it doesn't play exactly the way that it six, did. But this is his 14th time well, playing. Th- this golf tournament does not play, or this golf course, I should say, doesn't play the way that it did, you know, 50, 60 years ago. But this golf course was built, you know, by McKenzie under the direction of, you know, Colonel Robert Jones yeah. um, to be reminiscent of the old course of St. Andrews. It was supposed to be a great American Lynx. And while it doesn't still play like a, a Lynx per se, for whatever reason, guys who play great on Lynx layouts, I feel like always tend to do really well at Augusta. As Ian you Poulter, said that, I just looked at another name. Okay, what do you got Can for you me? Please tell me Shane Lowry's odds. Shane Lowry, according to Bavada right now, is at one hundred and fifty to one. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. Is that worth throwing a five spot on? Mm-hmm. You think so, huh? Yep. Now I have. I remember actually seeing him on a leaderboard here, not too. Uh, uh, not too long ago. Is, is this game won, a good form? Uh, he just won a big European tour event. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. And very interesting because I remember he was very much in contention uh, to that dust at the Dustin Johnson U.S. Yep. Open just a couple of years Oklahoma. back. He's yep. he does play well in big tournaments. Uh, I would actually really like to see Shane Lowry get back in, in, in get back into form. He's a fun a fun dude. I I, I yeah. like watching Shane Lowry play golf. Oh yeah. Um. Just okay. A big happy Irishman. Okay. So you're saying. Of guys with longer odds, the two that you're gravitating towards would be Ian Poulter and Shane Lowry, eighty to one and one fifty to one. Oh yeah, to one. what's uh, how high is Woodland? Uh, Gary Woodland actually is at plus eight thousand. He's eighty to one. That's a that's. We heard Gary's name at a lot of those career Early, worst, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, yeah, the scoring averages. Um, he's played there seven times though. He's got to be getting more comfortable with the place. Hmm. Uh, what is Hideki? Hideki is at like plus thirty three hundred, thirty three yeah. to one. What do you think about the barn rat at plus at uh, two hundred to one? Uh, no chance. No chance. <laughs> no um, chance. Uh, Brandon Grace. Uh, no chance. Uh, what about uh, Cantlay? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was one of my bubble guys. Sixty six uh, to one. Yeah, not enough experience probably. What about Cameron Smith? He's he's got a fifth place there, and this is his fourth time playing now. It looks as though Cameron Smith's odds are exactly the same as Charlie Hoffman's and Gary Woodland's. And Ian Poulter's okay. at eighty to one. So between Cam Smith and Ian Poulter, um, between who those would you ra- who would you rather put your money on? Uh, probably Cam Smith. He's pretty goddamn good. He is good, man. Uh, Tiger Slayer, Lucas Beauregard, plus fifteen thousand. No chance. No chance. Um, Sandy Lyle made the cut last year. One dollar to win two thousand five hundred dollars. I can one hundred percent guarantee Sandy Lyle is not going to win. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. If, in terms of actually to win at the bottom of that list, don't really like any of the names down there. But luckily, Bovada has odds on not just to win, but to finish in the top ten. All right. Roy McIlroy, by the way, minus one fifty to finish in the top ten. Oh yeah, that's if you want to put up one hundred fifty bucks, you're going to win a hundred. You think so? You think it's almost uh, a lock? That's a lock. Interesting. Okay. Um. Guys who have longer odds to finish in the top ten that I think may sneakily have a chance. 
kind of like Charles Howell at plus 800, 8 to 1 to finish in the top 10. Be a great story. I I, uh, I, I mean, kind, he's in decent enough form. I kind of like it. I, he's I, still hitting it far enough. I would, I would, yeah, that'd be, I'd be good with that. I, I'd be, I'd be absolutely okay with that. Um, and then you know, some of the other guys, you know, you, you see a lot of like two and three and four to one uh, for the guys we were talking about earlier to finish in the top ten. You know, guys like you know Brooks Kepka all yeah. the way down to uh, Kiz is plus four seventy five to finish in the top ten. But you said it. Hoffman's always there. Always there. I know that his name's all. He always gets on the leaderboard. Well, so this, this is what's interesting. So um, they obviously at Bovada they still have uh, odds for you know top twenty, top ten, top yeah. five, but then they actually have odds on first round leader. All right. Oh, he's like even money. Char- Charlie Hoffman. <laughs> Charlie Hoffman is like he's like you know. I, I think they said, minus one ten. I think they said he's basically in like he's in the, in the top ten after the first round, like three out of the last oh. four. I think he's at Augusta. Oh, the guy it's, he does not it, stumble out of the game. It's so great. He jumps in front Total of so front many runner. guys. He jumps ahead of Hideki, ahead of Jason Day, oh, yeah. Paul Casey, Adam Scott, Ustase, and Kucher. He leapfrogs all those guys for first round leader. Charlie Hoffman, plus thirty three hundred to be a first round leader. Thirty three to one. That's pretty cool. Do you like? Do you like like three bucks on Charlie Hoffman to be the first round leader to win a hundred? Three gets you hundred. Yeah. I, I kind of. I kind of. Three like bucks. That. I might have that. I might I have that. Like that. I might have three dollars and change my yeah. backpack right now. <laughs> I kind of like that. Uh, That's yeah. walking around money, dude. That'd be so awesome. I, I think. I think you and I collectively Hashtag backpack as golf guide podcast host. I am actually gonna put three dollars on Charlie Hoffman to I lead like up it. the first round just like for it. us, just to see. For the beer fund, just for the beer fund, exactly right. Um, uh, Louis, I like dude. That's what about like, shrimp, Louis? I mean, I love Louis. Like, I feel like I'm always pulling for eleven Mr. times Stazen. there. Obviously, runner-up finish, and and looks good when he does it too, man. It seems like that golf course really suits his eye. Really easy. Um, okay, all right. Let's take a look at this. Louis Ostazen to like finish in the forth. top five. All right, to finish in the top five. Let's see, they got him. Nope, that's winner. Top five finish for Louis Oosthuizen, sixty-five to. So no, that can't be no, right. Six, six to one. Okay. For a top five finish, six and a half to one technically. Actually, plus six fifty. That. that seems like a little too long for top five. There's only a certain amount of people who can finish in the top five. If you if you go to the top <laughs> if you go to top ten, he's three to one. Top ten, three to one. I feel like those are bad odds. Those are really bad odds. Those are terrible odds, in fact. Oh. And now, granted. There's only two guys that are actually going to cost you money to try to finish in the top ten, and it's Rory and DJ. Like, you're going to get better than even odds on uh, everybody else more, to finish in the I'm top ten. I'm jumping on Rory's shit before I'm dumping, jumping on. I'm jumping off that DJ. Interesting. Um, all right, let's let's go a couple of prop bets here. Um, top debutant, which means top rookie of all the gentlemen who have never played in the Masters before. Which one is going to have the strongest finish? The odds are that Mr. Eddie Pepperell at plus 450 to be the top-ranked debutant. Shaking my head. Uh, Beauregard at plus 5,500. Matt Wallace at plus 450. Nope. Keith Mitchell at plus 700. Bingo! That is the... Again... Eddie Pepperall, He's Matt Wallace, guy, and Lucas dude. Beauregard. I mean, Do you know what all three of those guys have in common? Daryl's? They don't have Crunchy Pete on the bag. Well, that's very true. <laughs> that is, that is exactly. Uh, top Asian player. Top Asian player. That's got to be uh, got to be Hideki. 
Well, he's got the best odds, but is there any chance that Siwoo or Hao Tong Lee? How Tong? How Tong? How Tong? It uh, better than Siwoo. Siwoo five didn't. five to one is the as the best finish for an Asian player. Siwoo I actually kind of like that. I don't think. I I kind of like that a lot. Um, there's only two Swedes in the field, but you can actually put minus two hundred on the fact that Henrik Stenson will beat out Alex Noren. Yes. Okay. <laughs> like uh, I said, I hope they. Don't show Alex Norton at all. That would be helpful. All right. Will there be a hole-in-one at the 2019 Masters? Yes is minus 175. How, how crazy is that? that are, how, like so, how many years? There's now it? just been so many. Has that there been a like, hole-in-one every year? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because, dude, you get better than even odds for no. Plus 135 for no. I gotta go. No, I know, right? <laughs> that that almost seems like the plus dumbest... one thirty five. <sighs> yeah, that I mean, that seems. Look at you should look at the odds of of making a hole in one in your lifetime, and then, I mean, I get there's eighty seven of them, and they're professionals, and some of them get to play four rounds. But from a numbers point of view, that's a lot of eggs in the unprobable uh, basket. That seems crazy to me. Improbable. That seems absolutely crazy to me. Um, oh boy will there be a wire to wire winner yes is plus 900 nine to one well as we talked you know before the opening five wire to wire winners in the history of the masters of invitational golf tournament uh most recently spieth in 2015 Mm -hmm. Uh, a guy named jack nicholas did it Mm -hmm. a guy named craig wood did it arnold palmer and i believe the other one is um Raymond Floyd. Interesting. Yep. Huh. Let's see here. All right. They actually have so odds. Plus on 900, I'm going no. I'm going no. They actually have odds on head-to-head. Who's going to finish better in this tournament? I like head-to-head, yeah. Um, Matches. Bryson versus Jason Day. Uh, I'm going Bryson all day. Okay. <laughs> no pun intended. I mean, obviously, you get uh, you get 115. These are going to be pretty even for, for either one. Yeah. Uh, Paul Casey or Hideki? Paul Casey at minus one twenty, where Hideki you get minus one ten. Pretty, pretty clean and even there. Uh, Brooks Kepka or Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Fleetwood, better Excellent. form. You're gonna get minus one fifteen. Either one of those. Mark Leishman or Matt Kuchar. That's a good one. I know that is That's a, good, a one. good one. That is a good one. Uh, oh, it's tough. I'm going Leishman now. You get longer odds, obviously, for Rory, but between Rory and DJ, DJ's even and Rory's at minus 130. Yeah, I'm going to Rory. Okay. Uh, Adam Scott or Louis Eustazen? Louis. Oh, God, it's so tough. They're both those guys. I, I just like those both those guys a lot. Uh, here's one that I would love to bet, not because I know what's going to happen, but just because it'd be fun. Jordan Spieth or Ricky Fowler? Ricky. Ricky McGay. Zach Johnson or Danny Willett? <laughs> <laughs> Zach Johnson. Okay. I got Danny Willett just <laughs> playing so bad again. Tiger or Phil? Uh, Tiger. Tiger's at minus 210 in that bet. Yeah. And you have to get, pay plus 160 to take Phil. Plus 160. That's the odds just make you want to take Phil so bad. That's juicy. That's <sighs> really, really juicy. Um, Yeah, man. That's what the, and then the, fi- the final... Uh, head-to-head they have on Bovada is Justin Rose or Tiger Woods. Oh, Rose. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Oh, 
This is going to be so good, man. This tournament's going to be so goddamned good. It's better every year. Oh, all right. Um, it's getting late. Yeah, it is. We we can put start to put a wrap on this thing. Anything that we're missing? Anything else you want to share with the fine golf fans out there listening to this thing? Tape it. Tape it. Tape it. Watch it live and then rewatch it next all week. That stuff you have in your DVR. I promise you, you DVR don't. DVR morning drive. DVR live at the Masters. DVR at all. It's, it's just do it. All it's, right, it's you got to do it. I agree. Before we go, yeah. Your pick is my pick is Rory McIlroy. I know it's 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 not a it's I, I got to do it. Yeah, I got to do it. Uh, all all signs are Rory. Um, I hope Tiger's there. I hope Phil's there. I hope Spieth is there. I just think it's Rory's time. I kind of. I hope, I hope Ricky's there too. Yeah, I mean, we're rooting for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite non-Rory? Rory, if if Rory's not going to win this thing, if Rory's not going to win it, I would love to see Spieth win it. Okay. Or Ricky uh, to yeah. get his first. Man, Ricky, Ricky putting a green jacket on on Sunday Sunday evening would be so special, man. It'd be really cool. Oh, that'd be amazing. I mean, here, here here's the great news, like. Despite the last couple of years, I feel like I haven't seen somebody put on the green jacket who I really, really wanted to win. Yeah. Probably since Adam Scott. Yeah. And maybe like before that, like Phil. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like in the last couple of years, nobody's ended up winning who I wanted to win. And so when it was all said and done, I'm kind of like, ah. But I've enjoyed every Sunday at Augusta. Oh, yeah. More than I enjoyed You're never like, else. oh, this guy's going to win. <sighs> it's it's going to be spectacular either way. I, I'm just really hoping that one of the guys that we would love to see win this thing actually gets to don the green jacket when it's all said and done. Yeah, there's so many guys you're pulling for rows. I mean, uh, like I said, probably the one guy, like I don't want to see Poulter win it. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, actually, can I change my answer to Ricky? Sure, absolutely. I'm change my answer to Ricky. I, I would love to see him. Get off the schneid at Augusta, just like Phil did, because I think they're going to have very comparable major records. He's got some work to do to catch up in wins, and I, I it's going to be hard, but he's going up against deeper fields. Um, I'm right there with you, dude. If, if Tiger's not going to win this thing, I'd like to see Ricky get one. I feel like if Ricky gets one, he'll end up with four, five, or six, maybe. So That'd be so awesome. He's got the game. Um yeah, I'm going to change my answer, too. I would love to see Ricky, but I think Rory's going to win it. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. You did. Rory or Ricky. I like or it. Or Tiger. I, I, yeah. I like them all. Yep. I like them all. Boat, this has been amazing, man. Is there any uh, last little tidbits you want to leave everybody with before Should, we... Uh, Casey, did you want to say anything? Casey? Oh, Casey. Oh. Casey didn't come. Oh, he... Right, Casey right. Casey wrote us a John Deere letter. Said thanks, but no thanks. I think so, a, a better offer came up. Yeah, pro- m- most likely. Yeah, what happens? Something happening. Yeah. Anyway, boat. Thank you again, my man. Cheers. Cheers. An abs- absolute pleasure. I. Uh, Cheers. I'm really stoked, man. This is going to be a wonderful Masters tournament. I know I'm going to be enjoying it. I know you sure as hell are going to be enjoying it. And I hope every human listening to this podcast, yeah. if you guys are even in, enjoying yourselves fifty percent as much as boat and I, you're in for a hell of a weekend. Yep. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. It's going to be absolutely awesome. All right. Anyway. Thank you again, everybody. Goodbye, friends. Enjoy the golf tournament. 
Enjoy Jim Nance. Enjoy the azaleas. Enjoy the dogwoods. And just enjoy. And the birds. The 2019 Masters and the birds. Thank you. Adios. Adios.